0: Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. This was supposed to be funny not to be broadcasted on the news.
1: It wasn't funny. The officer at the center of a San Francisco police department texting Scandal sits down with ABC 7 News tonight and declares he is not a racist. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cheryl
2: Jennings. And for Amma Dates. And I'm Dan Ashley. Of course, none of these cops wanted their outrageous text splattered all over television. But whether public or private, most everyone agrees it sends a terrible message and damages an already tense relationship between the public and police. ABC 7 News
3: reporter Vic Lee talked exclusively today with one of the officers involved. He is in the newsroom now with the story. Vic. Well, Dan, former police officer Ian Furminger, was convicted of public corruption late last year. Among his crimes, stealing money and drugs from dealers, he's appealing that conviction, saying he was framed. Now, he's embroiled in another scandal, this one texting racist and homophobic messages to other cops. And today, amidst all the uproar, he wanted to get his side of the story out.
0: If I offend anybody, I'm sorry. I'm truly, truly sorry. However... It's banter amongst friends.
3: If you look at it on the surface, superficially, it is offensive.
0: Of course it is, but it wasn't open to public
3: disclosure. Former police officer Ian Firminger says the text messages are being misinterpreted by a public which doesn't know who he really is.
0: My friends, my best friends, my closest friends are all black, gay, Chinese, or Asian. And um, Hispanic. That's who I socialize with. That's who I spend my time with. Don't get me wrong. Some of my best friends are. But those texts were not a reflection of who I am. It's a rebound reaction to a politically correct environment.
3: Firminger says he grew up in the racially diverse East Bay, went to a mostly black high school, and as a cop, never had a racial complaint. For anybody to call me racist,
0: I swear to God, I'll get a thousand people in there to say that I'm not. You know, and it's uh, it's tough. But that's not, that's not the reflection of who I am.
3: Last December, Firminger was convicted of public corruption in a federal court. The veteran cop that's is right. out on bail and is appealing his 41-month prison sentence. The offensive texts were released by federal prosecutors during a bail hearing last week. The four other officers have been reassigned to units with no public contact while the department investigates the scandal. This was... Supposed to be
0: funny, not to be broadcast on the news.
3: But those who have spoken out publicly condemn the texts as racist and homophobic. They include the Officers for Justice, a group formed by black San Francisco officers.
4: It brought great
1: harm to not only the members of the San Francisco Police Department, but to our cities, to our families, to the children. I think that Ian Firmiger is a liar.
3: Vice President Lieutenant Valerie Matthews was more blunt.
1: This was not a casual conversation. This was deep-rooted hate and racism.
4: There are not enough words that he could convey at this point to apologize to the members of this department that he has affected.
3: Now, our sources say... The police department is looking at other officers who are on Furminger's texts. They include a captain. But these same sources say they may just have been caught up in the mounds of evidence which the federal prosecutors released as part of the case, and that these may have just been routine text messages not racially motivated. So stay tuned. Vic Lee, ABC 7 News.
1: All right, Dick, thank you. Public defender Jeff Adachi believes cases, some cases, will be dismissed because of the texting scandal. News conference today, Adachi said his office is going to review 10 years of cases. So far, they found 120 cases involving two of the officers. Adachi said the officers' accounts of what happened during their investigations will now be called into question.
3: It's highly unlikely, I think, that a a judge would uh, not believe uh, that an officer who made these kinds of statements or engaged in in this kind of banter uh, would not be uh, biased in his perceptions. Uh, No prosecutor is going to want to put him on the stand. Those cases are uh, likely going to be dismissed.
1: Adachi said his office is working on a series of reforms he hopes the police department will implement, which will include racial sensitivity training.
2: Context of white supremacy, racial sensitivity training. That's all we need to solve this problem. Racial sensitivity training. If they had that. Enslavement of black people would have never happened. Years of lynchings. Rapes could have been averted. Racial sensitivity training. All time favorite. Again, context to white supremacy. This is Monday, March 23rd, 2015. So I have been told Uh, just found out our guest for the evening uh, Malachi Garza. She emailed me uh, twice or three times. Actually, she emailed the first time to confirm uh, that she was going to be hanging out and visiting with us for the day. Uh, And then she emailed again uh, to say that she was stuck. She was in transit. uh, Bad weather and uh, was not going to be able to make it. I didn't see uh, the email where she said she could not make it until uh, like, like minutes before we went online for the program. Um, as I've always said, that burns my grits when people cancel uh, on the day of, uh, particularly if they have confirmed and then whatever they say, something came up or whatever, they had dinner plans or flight plans, whatever. Um, always burns my grits uh, because it does take prep time to get the program up and study and all that, get questions together, do some research, go digging and reading, listening to uh, these folks uh, babbling about racism and what have you. And then for them to not follow through, Uh, I reckon sometimes, you know, that is the case. They had, you know, flight problems or whatever, but um, even just listening to that, she said she had flight issues, uh, yesterday or whatever I don't we we set the this interview up like weeks in advance like early in March I believe if memory serves like it was uh, a while ago that we set this up I find it hard to believe unless the weather messed her flight up where she was supposed to leave maybe yesterday or Friday or sometime before today and her flight got moved and she ended up flying today and then there was uh, bad weather that uh, threw her scheduling off I guess that could have happened. But again, I just I don't, if it was me, I don't know if I would be that willing to schedule an interview if I knew I was going to be traveling uh, on that day. I know some people, they have more hectic schedules and they they do that sort of thing all the time. And, you know, things do happen that that certainly could be the case. But uh, this is a white person. I was going to make sure I got a clarification about that because I had some uh, ambiguity as to whether or not Malachi Garza is a white person. But if it is a white person, uh, as we have, as I have stated repeatedly on the program before, and even many of our white guests, that whites simply do not get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Malachi Garza is a Bay Area resident, so I was looking to hear feedback from someone in that area about the whole big controversy with the uh, San Francisco police Uh, on these racist text messages messages uh, that are now involving, I think they said about 10 officers, uh, high ranking uh, officers in the force. Uh, And again, you know, this is rampant. This is not, this is the same thing that they had in Ferguson. Uh, The same thing, Uh, a uh, police department in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Same thing came out this weekend uh, where they were sending racist text messages. I think we had the report before uh, in Ohio, uh, the Montgomery County Sheriff's Department. Same thing where it was about four or five different officers uh, doing all that. Not that this is just a police thing. I think uh, from 2013, where it was uh, the school superintendent uh, intended, not the janitor, not the custodial staff, not the Uh, lunchroom attendance, the school superintendent uh, in one of the towns in Pennsylvania was sending racist messages to other white faculty members. So, I mean, this is just rampant, constant behavior on the parts of whites. Uh, This is, in my view, when Dr. Welsing, when she says, what do whites talk about when no black people are present? There you go. This is the answer. (laughs) Um, And Even the white people who are not directly participating in all of this, I suspect a good chunk of them, they know about this. They're not doing anything. They're not reporting uh, this behavior. They're not running to the news because I'm sure it's not. This is not an isolated thing where it's just these, you know, this handful of police departments where this is going down. I'm sure this is rampant behavior and not just in police departments. I'm sure this sort of thing is going on, you know, at your local tavern, the court, Congress. You know, wherever white folks are, whatever they happen to be doing, all areas of people activity, I'm sure that this big controversy with Sony where those emails came out. Same thing. This is happening all the time. So either they're participating directly and or they are observing all of this happening and they're not doing anything about it, which makes them just as guilty. Anywho, um, I am uh, again disgruntled about the guest not being here, but That is the system moving forward. uh, We should be back uh, tomorrow. Non-white male, uh, Keith Buchamp, uh, documentary filmmaker. uh, He did the documentary on Emmett Till uh, that came out some years ago. I think that was even before uh, the context of white supremacy existed. Uh, He did that documentary film uh, as well as the Moores Ford Bridge lynching Uh, Incident, another illustration of white terrorism that's been getting a lot more attention of late because some of the whites—I think it was four black people, including a pregnant black uh, female—that were murdered uh, by this group of white terrorist gang of white thugs uh, down in Georgia. Uh, This was in the nineteen late nineteen forties that this happened. No, of course, nobody was punished. Uh, And some of these whites that participated in this are still alive, which I suspect is probably the case for many of these cases uh, that happened down through the years. And uh, they have been trying to get litigation to prosecute because there's no statute of limitations on murder. Uh, So they've been trying to get litigation together to try to go after and prosecute some of these uh, racists, murderers who are still alive. But uh, he also did a, a segment. Uh, on this case as well, uh, plus a lot of other work. So he should be in uh, tomorrow. He confirmed uh, and hopefully we will be all good. Ready to roll uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, March 24th. same program time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, I will take uh, the time these were. Will- I was going to do anyway, even if our our guest had been here, uh, I was going to start with that incident uh, in with the San Francisco Police Department, uh, because one of our listeners sent me a great report. It's been so much happening in the news uh, this week. That's why I tell people all the time, you know, really make sure uh, that you're reading it. (laughs) Reading is way more important than watching television. Yes, you can learn lessons from watching movies, films, all of that. But I'm of the opinion you will learn a lot more just paying attention to things that they are doing every day as opposed to metaphors and, you know, Ill- examples of things that they're talking about in movies. Get the newspaper. <laughs> Watch the news. It's in so many formats. You can find uh, news uh, podcasts, news radio programs where you can listen and find out things that are happening in your area locally, nationally, globally. It is critically Uh, importance because there's just been so many things happening. Like I said, uh, the compensatory call in this weekend, there were so many news items. I didn't even include, not that I was not aware of it, but I didn't even include the segment about a black male being found hanging in Mississippi uh, the last few days, Uh, Mr. Uh, Otis James bird, and they still don't have any information. I checked today and I didn't, didn't see any updates. They had a big March, Uh, Down in Mississippi uh, about all this where black people are rightfully upset, but no new information. And the FBI is supposed to be uh, investigating. But I mean, it's just things happening all the time. Um, I want to read uh, the article that a listener mailed to me. But before I do that, I just further illustration of things that are happening all the time. We just had a black police officer on The program retired black police officer with the Chicago uh, Police Department, uh, Patricia Hill. She visited with us right at the beginning of the month and uh, we talked about the uh, home and square, all that that's been coming out where they were taking mostly black people into custody and not. Charging them, not allowing them access to their attorney, not allowing their, their family members to know what happening to them, abusing them, torturing them. There was a big to-do uh, about this at the beginning of the month, and this is still you know, playing on. I think at least one white person was reported to have uh, resigned uh, because of all the attention about this misconduct. Uh, but this just came out over the last few days. Uh, Mr. Nick Childs, uh, Pulitzer Prize winning author. Uh, With Atlanta Black Star, uh, the report uh, he published uh, this weekend yesterday, uh, beatings, sexual abuse of Illinois inmates detailed in lawsuit reveals torture black men subjected to in American prisons. Now, this stood out. One of our listeners uh, is a grad student and he is doing uh, a research paper on state sanctioned sexual abuse of black males. Uh, He had reached out to me a few weeks back and asked if I had any information that I could share uh, on the topic. And so I thought about it for a little bit because, you know, we've covered this this topic before, unfortunately. Uh, And so I sent him uh, information, including information about Daniel Holtzclaw and some of the black females that have been uh, sexually terrorized uh, by enforcement officers or correctional officers, uh, officers of the white supremacy state. Uh, just in case he wanted to include that as well. And he you know, said that that's definitely important. And he was just because uh, he has restrictions on how the size of the project, how large it can be, that sort of thing, that he was just confining it to black males. But he definitely knows that black females are subjected to the same thing. Uh, but just like I said, this was about maybe a month ago, we'll say in February when he made this request. And it has been amazing. Uh, just I picked out things that I knew off top like different things that we had talked about before. Some of this is in Douglas Blackman's book, Slavery by Another Name. Uh, Some of this is in Texas Tough. Uh, Richard Perkins, he's been a guest on both of them, uh, Douglas Blackman and Mr. Perkinson, uh, been guests on the program uh, where they talk about this. I think the passage in Texas Tough that stands out in my mind, it was a white uh, racist guard. Uh, This is in the 20th century, like early mid 20th century. They would take uh, these uh, black chain gangs out and work them to death uh, just modified form of slavery they would take them out work them to death and then sexually abuse them and so they would uh, this racist beast he would uh, anally rape these black inmates in front of other black inmates Uh, and then when he was done uh, he would ask them if they wanted to smell the bat or sniff the bat that's the way he said it direct quote uh, that he has in the book this was Ritualistic behavior, ritualistic sexual terrorism on the part of whites uh, on this book and several of just ran down the gamut of uh, things that I was aware of. Um, Some of this even came out. Tom Robbins, uh, folks saw him. He was on Democracy Now! He was on Talk Radio in South Africa, many, many other programs. I think NPR did a segment. He had a huge piece for The New York Times maybe two weeks ago uh, talking about uh, abuse of black prisoners uh in attica in new york and same thing popped up there where they were uh beating black inmates testicles and threatening to castrate them and just the uh, same thing same behavior so i went through and shared as much as i could think of off the top of my head and then just going about doing what i do checking the news listening to the news watching the news all of that It was um, just about every other day I would see another illustration. Boom. Another example. Another example. Another example. There's a suit. uh, I don't remember the state off the top of my head. It might be somewhere in the Midwest, but a juvenile facility. Same thing. Group of non-white children, mostly black children, uh, have a suit where the staff at this juvenile detention center were molesting them and abusing them. I mean, this is going on every day, all day long. Uh, But the report from Mr. Childs, uh, Atlanta Black Star, I put it on my Facebook page. I tweeted it. Uh, Folks should definitely read. Uh, It reads the class action lawsuit filed against hundreds of guards in the Illinois prison system details the sexual and psychological abuse inflicted on mostly black men by guards who clearly feel they are above the law. The suit filed this week by Demetrius Ross on behalf of himself and other inmates at several Illinois prisons confirms our worst fears about what happens to black men and women in these prisons when the doors are slammed shut and inmates are vulnerable to the debased whims of corrections officers. Ross Ross's suit details shakedowns that occurred last April at the Illinois River Correctional Facility in Canton, Illinois, that were intended to sexually humiliate inmates. Though the suit doesn't mention race, more than half of the inmates at Illinois River were black, according to the 2012 report by Illinois Department of Corrections, while 24 percent were white and 20 percent were Hispanic. As for the as for the guards, a report by the John Howard Association of Illinois, a prison reform advocacy group, said Illinois River had no black or Hispanic guards, despite the fact that black and Hispanic inmates made up 76 percent of the prison population. Illinois River is a medium security male facility with a population of 2,000 inmates located approximately three and a half hours southwest of Chicago. The lawsuit claims that similar abuse also occurred at other Illinois facilities filled with black men. Menard Correction Center, Big Muddy River Correctional Center and Lawrence Correctional Center. During the shakedown, according to the suit, the guards who Ross refers to as the Orange Crush beat, sexually humiliated and otherwise abused Mr. Ross and hundreds of other prisoners, destroyed his property and otherwise gratuitously inflicted punishment for the sole purpose of causing humiliation and needless pain. As an example of the torture, the inmates had to endure a strip search in front of female officers touch their genitals and spread their buttocks and then use the same hand to open their mouths. They would also have to march from their housing units to the gym at the facility with their heads on the backs of the prisoners ahead of them in a line so that one man's genitals were in direct contact with the next man's buttocks. If they broke the formation, they would be violently attacked by the guards. According to the suit, the guards called this Nuts to Butts. During one of these incidents, the defendant had his head slammed down so violently that his glasses broke and fell from his face, causing him to suffer from extreme dizziness and lightheadedness. Officers then shoved their batons in between each prisoner's legs and jerked upwards, forcing the prisoners to straighten his legs while keeping his back bent over at a 90-degree angle onto the prisoner in front of him, the suit alleges. I I will stop there. They go on into greater detail. But this is Atlanta Black Star Mr. Nick Child's beatings, sexual abuse of Illinois inmates detailed in lawsuit reveals torture black men subjected to in American prisons. Uh, It was just published yesterday. Uh, This is the system of white supremacy and for some reason I don't think Racial sensitivity training is going to solve this problem. I could be in error. Moving forward, uh, the report that uh, one of our listeners mailed to me uh, today, I would tell you where this is, but I don't know. Um, they just uh, they did a great job. They were able to uh, crop the the article. So I got the whole thing crystal clear. Uh, it's great. I can. Uh, Upload this online so if folks want to check it out themselves, you can do so. Uh, but I just don't know where this was published. If this was in a local San Francisco paper or mag I don't know where this was, but uh it's the author is Peter Santina, and the report is titled Racism Permeates San Francisco. The report reads As a deputy public defender in San Francisco, I am not shocked at the revelation there is a white power network. Within the police department, all niggers must fucking hang direct quote. One veteran San Francisco police department officer texted former Sergeant Ian Firminger, who you heard in the audio at the beginning, who has been convicted and sentenced to prison for violating civil rights and stealing drug money. White power. The cops repeatedly texted each other. Four cops were recently found guilty of corruption-related charges in federal court. When Firminger's text messages were partly released by the federal government last week, Firminger and four additional veteran officers were exposed as virulent racists, in the words of the federal prosecutor. Every officer involved had been on the job for more than 10 years. Now 10 more officers, including a police captain, are being investigated for racist messages. Why am I not shocked? For nine years as a public defender, I have witnessed far less openly virulent, but far more damaging institutionalized racism of the San Francisco criminal justice system. Every morning, young and old African Americans are paraded through courtrooms in San Francisco, dressed in orange jumpsuits, not unlike Guantanamo inmates and often shackled in handcuffs or chains. After a very brief court appearance, usually less than two minutes, they are returned to their cells where they are given terrible food and their families are charged exorbitant fees for their phone calls. I've sat beside too many innocent black clients who Fight, uh, frightfully whisper. What was that deal again? As they watched the jury panel of 80 to 120 people, almost always less than five and often zero black potential jurors walk into the courtroom. I've heard too many dehumanizing comments from judges, such as one who was fond of explaining her denial of release to people accused of nonviolent drug offenses with the phrase too bad. So sad. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to move forward a little bit to catch some of the other parts of this that I thought were uh, important. In 1994, San Francisco made the news when its incarceration rate for black men was twice the U.S. average and 10 times the rate of apartheid era South Africa. But in the 21 years since San Francisco has grown stomach churningly worse. The city's jail in 1994 had 4.4 times the proportion of black inmates, as in San Francisco, as a whole. By 2012, the jail population was 9.5 times more black than the city. But when many non-black people hear about racial disparities, there are two common responses. Some people tend to think poverty is the explanation. There is truth there. The American criminal justice system almost exclusively incarcerates poor people. However, at least in San Francisco, poverty does not explain the disparity. If the jail reflected the poverty rate, the jail would be 37% Asian, 28% white, 21% Latino, and just 14% black. In fact, the jail is 57% Black. I thought that was extremely important just because I hear that so frequently that it's about poverty. Uh, I think Kanye West now about every other week comes out and says it's about class and money. And that is just nonsense to the highest order. uh, Racists, they know they can get a lot of mileage for that, encouraging people. It's about green. It's about these Benjamins. That's the problem. It's not about race. Get that out of your mind. It is about money. Finances there's a whole lot of poor white people that is hogwash and whites know this. I just I was talking to a victim uh, earlier and I said uh, in Katz's book where he talks about that, that you can compare white people and black people who are both, quote unquote, poor, have the same financial situation and they have a radical, different, radically different outcome to what happens over the course of of their lives even if you factor in similar experiences with what they call the criminal justice system if they have, they run afoul of the law and get convicted of something get arrested have to spend some time in greater confinement even then the white person is going to come out way better and they have documentation for all of this this is undeniable uh, that's why I really just hammer it home no this is about abusing black people especially not poor people and all this other nonsense he goes on he says the other response is more common but less public black people commit more crime in fact black people are arrested for hard drug possession more than three times more often than white people but a significantly higher percentage of whites use hard drugs the same statistics apply for marijuana crimes most tellingly when people hear that black people are disproportionately locked up Many become more supportive of harsh prison policies. In 2014, researchers at Stanford University documented that when Bay Area residents were shown mugshots of black inmates, they were more supportive of harsh three strikes laws. In contrast, when shown mugshots of white inmates, residents wanted to reform three strikes to make it less punitive. I will stop there. There's more to the report, but I thought it was fascinating. I'm glad the listener uh, shared it again. It's titled racism permeates San Francisco by Peter Santina. Uh, He is a deputy public defender in San Francisco. He's been practicing for nine years. Excellent report. Uh, Add that to your files. Anyone who is uh, incredulous about how massive and overwhelming the problem of white supremacy racism is uh, two other things. I was going to do this regardless, even if our guest had been here. I was going to make sure I made time to uh, address these. One of our listeners, uh, she wrote in, parent, uh, she's sending her child off to uh, to school that is mostly white, uh, and she had concerns uh, about how this might impact. Uh, Her child and, you know, what uh, what she thinks uh, about all of this. Um, I will share and kind of give my my two cents. If other folks have any comments about all this, they can feel free uh, to pitch in as well. Let me see here. just taking a second to make sure I pull up the email. Again, for folks, anyone, if you are in a specific area, oh, it takes me a moment to pull this up. Um, if you would like to have contact with listeners that are in uh, your specific area, your geographic location, uh, you can feel free to drop an email. Uh, I know there are folks in the Atlanta area who said that they I uh, would like to have contact if there are listeners in the uh, Atlanta area. I think Vegas was one uh, recently as well. Um, this one got to be codified because, you know, I get a lot of emails and it would help me to be able to navigate and forward information as I get it. Um, to just put in the subject, right, uh, contact and then your geographic location. So if it's Atlanta, contact Atlanta, contact Florida, whatever. And I think I've said before, if uh, for areas that are larger, like Florida's a bit larger, you might want to specify which particular part of Florida, uh, Same California, obviously, Texas, obviously, so on and so forth. Uh, But just put that in the subject and we'll see if we can share. I know people have been doing that for quite some time. I've got constructive feedback uh, from quite a few folks who have been doing this. It's worked out well. People thinking of different projects that they're trying to do. So if you are so interested Feel free until justice at gmail dot com and just make sure you include in the subject contact and then wherever your geographic location is. All right. Uh, So the parent wrote in my son will be starting high school in August. Uh, I applied for the specific school of the arts. He wanted to go there. He had to audition and he still has a couple of things to do. For the most part, they accepted him. When he starts this school, he will come in contact with whites. He has had he has not had consistent contact with white people before. Maybe three people from his school. uh, Had went on to uh, his high school. I guess you have to have talent to get accepted and attend. I saw this one black male from his school basically acting like Arsenio Hall in the 1980s. I'm not. I'm not really sure what that means. (laughs) Maybe I need to go get some YouTube videos of Arsenio Hall in the 80s. Joking with white chicks. Uh, How do I keep my son on the right path? I do not want him riding sideways trying to get accepted. I heard he was a very good musician, so I know they will be in his face. He will be forced to participate in the Saturday programs. Uh, What else should I do uh, as I send him in this environment? Those were her uh, concerns. Um, I would say, number one, uh, I think. It is constructive to go ahead and have your child prepared, ready to have contact with whites, uh, because it's it's inevitable, I think, for most of us, at least if you uh, are in this area of the world, northwestern hemisphere, uh, quote unquote, United States. You're probably gonna have contact with whites. I can think of maybe a few folks if you you know are in Atlanta, maybe you could kind of structure things so you have very little contact with whites. maybe there are a few other spots, but for the most part, eventually uh, you're gonna have to deal with them anyway. So uh, I definitely think it's good to go ahead and, and prepare in terms of how you want to uh, function around them to go ahead and start that. And I think a lot of it just comes down to having an accurate understanding. Uh, with that said, I also think it's important in terms of being honest about the influence that the system of white supremacy has. One of our previous guests, uh, Minister Kojo Livingston, uh, recently transitioned. Uh, He was on the program repeatedly, but he wrote a report where he was talking about his own experience parenting and having children, uh, black children, and trying to get them informed about racism and He said, under the system of white supremacy, a standard black parenting effort is a substandard effort. And the context he explained this, he said he had. Uh, at least more than he had more than one child, and he was talking about one of his daughters, and he said he had done all this, and you're beautiful, you're gorgeous, your natural hair, and blah blah blah, and not you know having a whole lot of Disney stuff in the house and all that, and really doing everything that he could to reinforce in his child that you know she was beautiful, you're a beautiful black child, and uh he said that it it still the influence of white supremacy was still impacting uh the way that she thought about herself, what she thought was attractive what she thought was beautiful and you know what is quote unquote good hair all of that uh and it's just that is what white supremacy means that's what when you are in an environment that is saturated with racist symbols racist images constantly portraying whites as the most beautiful the most attractive the smartest uh, just everything that you can think of that associate that is associated with good and then conversely asserting everything black with bad. That just is immense. Uh, I don't think it can be understated in this environment. So uh, with that said, uh, I wouldn't be stunned if in this sort of environment, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they have former white friendship, have some white pals or Whatever form the contamination takes, I wouldn't be surprised and I would try not to uh, wig out about it and jump. Be really angry about it or what have you. Um, That's that's the world in which we live. What I would try to do is just consistently talk with them about the environment that they're in. Really just having open, non-judgmental lines of communication where they feel like they can come and talk with you uh, about anything uh, and really be informed about what's happening. Uh, at that school, uh, who your child is hanging out with, who their friends are teachers, the whole nine, be as involved as you possibly can, uh, go into the school, participate. So, you know, you know who all of your child's, uh, teachers are be extremely informed and, and just make that something where your child knows you are eager, super interested, uh, in what they're doing. This is something we definitely want to discuss on a daily basis probably multiple times a day uh, so that you can have as much information as possible uh, about what's happening there and the influence that they're having on your child. Uh, I think also continuing to discuss racism uh, to point it out in their lives, things that are happening. Uh, this person's in the Bay. I mean, you got lay up the situation that's happening with the police officers right there. That should be on a lot of people's minds. I don't think people should have forgotten by now. Oscar Grant, uh, with the whole movie and everything. So use the system. Uh, it's it's constantly around you. So just reveal that, point that out on a regular basis and encourage them to talk to you as they see things, as they have questions, uh, as you're doing things. I would also say to try to make an effort to make sure that they are still around uh, Black people. If you know they're going to be in this environment where it's predominantly white teachers, white students, the whole nine, uh, to do everything that you can to make sure that they Uh, Also have time where they are around black people doing constructive things, uh, not just in contact with black people just for the sake, but around black people that are doing constructive things. And if this is a black male, I would say definitely make sure that they're getting contact with black males. Uh, If we were talking about a black female, I would say conversely, making sure they have uh, access to other black females also. But uh, in this case, I think that would be uh, extremely helpful uh, so that they can see. Black males doing constructive things. It would be bonus on top if they are doing something that's related to racism uh, and trying to help out black people, trying to help black people solve their problems. Outstanding. Um, But it's just one that I would monitor. I would just monitor, you know, what's happening, how they feel about all of this, if racism comes up, if it's something that they Uh, talk about at all current events or however they choose to bring it up. I I was, I would think that with so many of these 50 year anniversaries, uh, I guess we're slowly encroaching. It'll be the 50 year anniversary of Dr. King's assassination in about three years, uh, the 50 year anniversary of the Watts, uh, what they call the Watts riots that's coming up. A lot of those 50 year anniversary things are still coming up. Uh, So those things might be talked about uh, in the school. As there are other incidents that are erupting uh, around the country. I would hope that that's also being discussed in school. So just try to be as mindful as you can, asking questions and paying attention to what's happening uh with the child at school and just making sure as I said before, I think really making sure that it's uh non-judgmental uh so that they don't feel uh afraid or hesitant about speaking with you about what they're seeing, what they're experiencing, if they have a white friend uh, that, you know, hey, I really like Billy and, you know, Billy's why, blah, blah, blah. So that they feel like they can, you know, share that with you at all. Cause you really just want to be getting, getting information so you know what the deal is, so that you're as informed as possible about your child, what's going on, uh, and making the best decisions. But if you think this, this environment would be best for them, uh, and the skills, the talents, uh, that they have been blessed to have. Uh, Then do so. Uh, And just as I said, I would really try and make sure that they have access to other constructive black people away from school. You get as much information. You're as involved as you can be with the school. You're constantly talking about uh, the situation and not being surprised uh, that the white supremacy influence of being in that environment I suspect will have uh, some impact. Uh, I would be stunned if it didn't. I don't know how it it, I don't know how a child could be in that environment. You're there probably about 40 hours a week or so. And now I'm assuming it's roughly a nine month, 10 month uh, school year. So I, I would think it would be impossible to be in that environment and not pick up some of the racist concept and concepts and ways of thinking. Uh, Just being there, I think it's it's it might even be on a subconscious level in terms of you're there and these are supposed to be the smartest and most talented, the best musicians, artists, the best students, and it's all white people at some level. Uh, that, you know, you're thinking, man, it's got to be something wrong with black people. <laughs> that's just that's automatic uh, where your mind is trying to, to make sense of why this is. So I would also be making sure that you're you're letting him know that this has been designed to make sure that they don't have a lot of black children. there. It sounds like you might have already been doing that, but I would definitely try to make sure that they understand that uh, white people have invested a lot of time and energy uh, and making sure black people do not have quality access to education worldwide, uh, not just in California, but all over the world. Uh, they've done this. Uh, it's not at all that black people are not fantastically smart, capable of doing brilliant things in the classroom and being just astronomical mathematicians and physicists and engineers and the whole nine. Uh, but just everything about the system is designed to make sure black people are not able to do that. I would really try to make sure that's emphasized so that that uh, doesn't take root uh, in terms of just thinking that black people are just, you know, a bunch of dunces. <laughs> they just can't do it. Like I said, I think a lot of times that happens subconsciously. It might even come out <laughs> consciously. Uh, at some point, but I think a lot of times you just you do the math. You're in the environment. You're just trying to make sense of of what you're seeing. Uh, in the absence of melanated children around you, you just I mean it's a, it's a conclusion that this system impels you to take. It would be impossible to come to a different uh, conclusion. So I'd really be trying to work hard. Uh, to make sure that that is not their interpretation of black people. And as I said before, having contact with black people doing constructive things, I think would probably go a long way to also eroding that where they're getting to see that. Oh, yeah, there are tons of really intelligent, smart black people doing great things. And even though they're not in my school, I know they exist uh, in abundance. And I'm looking to be another one (laughs) once I am uh, older and and able to do more uh, on the planet and hopefully using my talents to work against racism. Uh, hopefully that is of some, some, of some value. Again, I say this all the time. I do not have children, so I am definitely not the expert, uh, on this sort of thing. Uh, in fact, I was, uh, I spoke with Dr. Wellsing um, not this past, the weekend before last, I spoke with Dr. Wellsing Uh, hopefully when we get her back on the program, I will ask her and see what she says. And, uh, you can check that out to see what see what her recommendation would be. Um, and if you want to ask some of the other guests that we have coming down the pike in the future or if listeners have any thoughts, I know we have quite a few black parents uh, listening as well. If you all have any thoughts, you can feel free to chime in as well. I hope that was of some value uh, before I move. for there was one other thing I, I had planned to share anyway. Uh, but since I did bring up when I was talking with Dr. Welsing, uh, I call I don't even remember why i call it was something specific had happened i was like oh man i need to tell dr wellsing this and i as i called her that was when they announced on television like she was watching cnn uh and that was when they announced that they had arrested a suspect uh for the shooting of those officers Uh, i think that was like two weeks ago uh so that was like oh (laughs) i like i'm listening to the television through the phone uh she's listening to all of this but uh before we got to all of that we had just been talking about that shooting and uh, I've I said consistently, I don't watch scandal. I think it's the worst thing in the world. I suspect that uh, Shonda Rhimes might not even be the person that is writing this script. I think that is standard where they will showcase a black person and say, Oh yeah, this black person, you know, uh, created this, this black person did this, you know, filthy uh, entertainment presentation. Uh, and that's not the case at all. That's just the face that they can put on it. So if there should be, any allegations that, hey, this is racist and this is a horrible depiction of black people. Well, a black person did it. One of your fellow sisters put it down. One of your fellow brothers, uh, Lee Daniels, put this together. What do you mean? It's racist. Uh, very slick, very shrewd. But at any rate, I don't watch Scandal. But I did see, I think it was two weeks ago, it was it was, I think, six days before The shooting of those officers in Ferguson, they did the episode where a black teenager was shot and killed in D.C. It was supposed to be like mimicking what happened in Ferguson to some degree. And so this 17 year old black uh, male gets shot and killed by a white police officer in Washington, D.C. And the black male's father, this is like the first five minutes of the episode, the black male's father comes out in the middle of the street with a shotgun and demands to meet the white officer who killed his child. Uh, and I we talked about this before. And I said how unrealistic this is. And, you know, this is crazy. I don't know what universe this would happen where this black male is not, you know, shot 500 times within, you know, 0.2 seconds. Uh, at any rate, I was telling Dr. Wilson about this because she hadn't seen it. And she was like, oh, wow, that is fascinating. That is they're already preparing your mind to think of black shooter. Crazy black shooter going out to shoot police officers. They're already setting the stage for you to think that way. And then, like I said, six days after this episode airs, bam, you do have uh, a suspected black person uh, to do this shooting. Allegedly. Anywho, that was one thing. Uh, And then I think I was talking to her. It was two days after she had just had her Welsing uh, Institute, which is the what is it? The second Thursday of every month second Thursday of every month. So it should be uh, the next one would be April 9th uh, for folks who are in the DC area. It is free 7 p.m. Eastern. It's on the campus of Howard University. Uh, I don't know the exact building, but I'm sure you can get that information. And if you really press me on it, I have it somewhere that I shared. I just don't remember uh, the building, but at seven o'clock free Howard University, second Thursday of every month. And the next one would be April 9th. Anywho, she had just done her Institute and they were talking, obviously it's been tons of things. So they were talking about some of the current events. And she said, a white person, a white guy, uh, so one white guy showed up and uh, she does such a good job of kind of measuring uh the vibration of the room and how people are responding. I know people that listen to the program who have gone to the Institute before have said that there have been really profound moments where she's done that. Uh, but she said she was gauging the room and she said, people weren't really talking. And she said, uh, This 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 one white guy being here, I think, is impacting you all and kind of having you all fearful of talking more and being more vocal about racism. And she said she talked to the white guy. She said, uh, I think because you're here, I think, you know, some of the black people that are present, I think they might be reluctant to speak because of your presence and she said the white guy said oh yeah i know this <laughs> and I, I cracked up i cracked up laughing and i i wish i could have been there i wish he had you know video of all that cuz i think that would be just profound to see but she said that was his response straight face yes i know this mhm and so she she continues uh with the lecture and she said uh, i think she did people can verify who ben i think at one point she said she told everybody to uh to hug yourself say i love myself uh, I'm smart. I'm intelligent. And, you know, give yourself a hug. It's not about beating up on you know ourselves for making mistakes or what have you, because we've been victimized. It's just about getting a better understanding so we can correct the behavior. And she said uh, the white guy did not hug himself. <laughs> and uh, I thought that was profound as well. Um, I will. When we get her back on the program, I'll try to, to remember to ask her uh, about those two incidents and uh, what they reveal about racism. But fascinating if uh if you're in the dmv area you have an opportunity you should go to the lecture it's free you can ask questions uh i'm told she takes questions you can bring up things if you have like news reports and what have you that you think you should uh she should check out take it i think she's very receptive people that have been that i've seen they sent me where they took pictures with her and the whole nine so you probably will have a blast uh if you're into uh countering racism and you think dr welsing has anything constructive to share you should go uh check it out august uh, excuse me april 9th april ninth uh is the next one 7 p.m campus of howard university moving forward uh i also thought and i think just reading minister malcolm x's autobiography where he talked about i think this was somewhere before he ended up in greater confinement uh he talked about all the drugs that he was doing and it seemed like a lot of the black people at that time still is the case we're doing a lot of drugs uh to try to uh numb the trauma and pain that they were experiencing from white terrorism. And uh, he said he smoked uh, it, I guess at one interval he smoked uh, four packs of cigarettes a day. Uh, and I just like wow, that is uh, that is massive. And I thought of the damage that uh, cigarettes can do to your body and specifically to your voice. Uh, and just like wow i mean just you know what if he had continued right like smoking four packs of cigarettes a day or three packs of cigarettes even one pack uh of cigarettes a day and you know got throat cancer uh, or something that you know ruined his voice where he wasn't able to go out and and do all that speaking like oh my gosh <laughs> like the uh the loss uh, of that I mean that 's just like wow and that's that 's just something that that made me think more uh in terms of uh all of us. Uh, I think we I, I'd said this before uh you would be amazed uh people can transform people can I meet mean, people, people that you do not think will change at all uh people who you know watch ten hours of television, they don 't read a book, they love white people, they go out to white bars, they have white friends uh the whole night you would be amazed uh people can change I, I am of the opinion whites would not be doing all of this if they didn't think their system could be neutralized they wouldn't be doing all this it wouldn't matter there would be no point in snooping on and having cointel pro operations and having uh nuts to butts exercises to humiliate and degrade uh black inmates and in raping But it wouldn't be any need for all of this if we were just collective dunces and idiots and they were just so supreme that they were going to dominate forever. It would be no need. It would just be, you know, let's just put the niggers over in this little nigger town neighborhood. And that way they won't interfere with what we're doing and they won't be a nuisance to themselves, us. They can just do their thing and, and we'll just go about managing the planet. They could do that easily. That's not what they do. (laughs) <laughs> that right there amongst many other things to me suggests they know we have the capability we can develop the capability uh to permanently end this problem that being said uh i think or i would hope people kind of keep that in mind on a personal level and in terms of dealing with other victims keeping that patience when we deal with other black people uh just you'd be amazed you have no idea uh what you could end up doing uh Particularly if you're serious uh, about racism, white supremacy, you can end up writing a book, doing a film, anything that has, you know, a big impact. So really make sure you're you're doing as much as you can to take good care of yourself, value yourself, particularly value the work that you're doing. If you're doing something uh, that's working against racism, white supremacy, highly important uh, would not want if somebody because I know we have smokers who listen to the program. Uh, would not want someone if you end up doing some great counter racist work uh, and then because of years of smoking, you end up damaging your health or damaging your voice. Uh, so you're not able uh, to go out and talk uh, or you have you know health problems that compromise what you're able to do. Really make sure you're trying to do as much as possible uh, in that vein. Uh, again, just hearing that with uh, with Minister Malcolm X and him smoking four packs of cigarettes and then getting to a point where he had great self black self-respect high value of himself and really doing as much as he could to take uh, care of himself and promote other black people being as healthy as they could be and taking better care of themselves. Super, super important. And just one I wanted to make sure to pass along as well uh, with that, if uh, folks have any comments, again, our guest uh, Malachi Garza, I don't even know the proper pronoun because uh, she has, she has worked with what they call transgender issues. So I don't even know if she identifies male, female. I know they have uh, this new push is to totally get rid of male and female altogether. Like, you know, Zog and Zen. I'm not making this up. Like I'm serious. This was like an NPR report uh, that was 2013. And I have seen more and more of these over the past two years where they're making up new pronouns. That Z- Zog, zir not he, she, I don't identify with that, there's no such contempt for gender, Uh, degenderization, the terms Mr. Fuller uses on a regular basis, but I mean, that is in full swing, so she might not even, I said she, Malachi Garza might not even identify with the whole she, he thing, Uh, that's why I said I was trying to get clarity uh, around all of that, but Malachi Garza did not uh, show up, she said she had travel issues, flight issues, uh, the weather uh, caused some disruption to her uh, travel schedule and she wasn't able uh, to visit with us for the evening. I was definitely looking forward to chatting with her uh, about the so-called gay rights agenda uh, as well as her work against racism, white supremacy, because she reportedly works about uh, with incarceration issues and black people being locked up uh, in Bay Area, California, uh, on this whole San Francisco thing. In my opinion, I was how does this impact your work? What do you have to say about it? She says that she's she's about holding these officials accountable. What does that mean? How are you going to hold these folks accountable who've been making all these uh, white supremacist text messages even all the way up to and including, I think they said, uh, a captain with the San Francisco Police Department. What does that mean and how are you going to hold these folks quote-unquote accountable? Uh, I was looking to get all that, but she bailed on us. Anywho, uh, folks that are listening in, if you had Thoughts, anything you wanted to share, you can feel free uh, to chime in. The number is 760-569-7676 and the code is 564-943-POUND. Press star six if you would like to participate. I'm um, going to actually take give myself a break so that I can get a quick swallow of water and then I will Get folks who uh, have a hand up. Uh, we'll just do a quick commercial and then we will be right back. I'll give out the number again in case uh, anyone has comment they need to share. Uh, context of white supremacy, we will be right back.
5: The internet is full of half truths and all out lies. We've all seen them and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for worldafropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit worldafropedia.com, the African centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. WorldAfropedia.com
6: Is racism hurting you? On issues of race, are you unable to speak, think, and act with clarity and confidence? Are you tired of laughing when nothing is funny, smiling when you are not happy, agreeing when you really disagree? At counterracism.com, you can learn specific strategies and techniques to counter the behaviors of the people who practice racism in all areas of activity. Using words correctly, following counterracist logic. Even counter-racist science projects designed to reveal what racism is, how it works, and how to counter it. The open source code writing format allows you to pick and choose from a variety of counter-racist suggestions so you can produce the code that works for you. Stop by CounterRacism.com today and help replace racism with justice.
7: That's Counter-Racism.com
2: Do you need a one-stop shop for all of your multimedia needs? Triumphant Multimedia is a skilled team of professionals with a passion for great marketing and chic design. Our specialties include consulting, brand development, copywriting, and creative graphic design that's second to none. We also offer photography for... total retouching, videography, and video editing. At Triumphant Multimedia, our goal is to provide highly effective creative solutions built to suit any individual need or budget. Give us a call at 678-732-8067 or check us out online at
8: trimultimedia.com.
5: Everyone, welcome. This is Justice with the Cows Radio Program. If you want to learn about, understand, and counter racism, white supremacy, be sure not to miss a Cows episode. We keep them jammed, packed with constructive information to sharpen your use of words to help eliminate the system of racism, white supremacy. ASAP. Also, to be able to invest in my counter-racist efforts co-hosting the Cow's radio program, please visit my blog JustDoJusticeToday.blogspot.com
8: You're just saying just buckets and buckets of words.
2: Right, 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 right. Um, Before I get the folks that nabbed in, I was a I was on my job checking the news. There was a lot of a lot of good stuff uh, in the news uh, this weekend, and even today there was a lot of stuff. That was now. I used to read the New York Times. That would be the last thing I would do uh, each day would be to get the Times and read. But now uh, I generally check the New York Times. Uh, that's one of the first things I do when I wake up in the morning is to check see what's uh, in the Times. Um, several things popped out today. Um, one. The folks remember the big to do. Rolling Stone had that report, University of Virginia, about this white girl being raped. Uh, The they had an investigation. Uh, It came out today. Uh, Police chief Timothy Longo said during a news conference Monday that police could not confirm that a rape occurred at any fraternity house. Uh, The Rolling Stone article described the gang rape of a student identified only as Jackie at a Phi Kappa Psi fraternity house in 2012. Uh, There's a lot more information around that, but I definitely thought that was important. Uh, Also, folks remember Monet Davis. This is a black female. She's pretty young. She's uh, in her early teens. Uh, She was softball sensation uh, from a little while back. Uh, This white dude, uh, he's a college baseball player, uh, tweeted and called her a slut Uh, Over the last 24 hours or so, Uh, and just to put that in context, if folks, remember Corvinjanae Wallace? uh, She was in the new Annie movie. She was in 12 Years a Slave. Uh, She was in Beasts of the Southern Wild. I think she got nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, I think she was the youngest person ever, youngest actress ever, uh, nominated for an Academy Award. And uh, some racist on uh, The Onion called her a cunt. Uh, And I think at the time she was like nine, uh, just in terms of that pattern of how racists treat and abuse uh, black children. But that came out. And then uh, The Washington Post reported that Monet Davis, they went to uh, speak with her about all of this. And she asked that this uh, suspected race soldier be reinstated, that he not be kicked off the basketball team. And of course, whites just. Love this. Fantastic. Phenomenal. Of course, she's a victim of racism. I don't have a problem. Uh, She is VGQ. She can do whatever she wants. Uh, I am just of the opinion. I had submitted this for something I wanted to write. Black people are always put in the position of pardoning, forgiving, excusing racist behavior. This happens all the time. Nobody else is asked to do this on a regular basis. Uh, With Serena Williams and the big to do, they had her uh, return to Indian Wells and saying that this was great for uh, racial reconciliation and the nonsense they play up with Congressman John Lewis, where he goes and gives a hug to this white brute who almost beat him to death 50 years ago. Of course, I mean, they heyday with uh, Madiba uh, in South Africa and oh, it's not about holding a grudge, forgiveness. Forgiveness, Dr. Welsing again I asked her that I think I brought that up that was one of the reasons that I remember calling her uh, the weekend before last about the forgiveness thing because I told her that so many people remembered when she was on the program last time and she said she does not tell her patients that they are supposed to forgive or pardon the perpetrator who harmed them that she does not think that that is healthy that is not your obligation as the victim Your obligation is to focus on yourself, restoring, replenishing, and healing yourself mentally, emotionally, spiritually. That is your obligation. And if you should get to a point where you want to forgive the person who has harmed you, that's fine. But that is not a part of her practice. She does not. She said that you can go back and listen, I think it was 404 who said that. That needs to be a sound clip or or a YouTube video or everything I've requested. That was one of the uh, my submissions that I wanted to write about um, that might be coming down the pike or at least I'll put it on my blog. But, yeah, that happens again and again and again and again. And she said that she can't you ever think of a time when a so-called Jew has been asked to forgive a Nazi. Can you think of one example That and she said that you hear every other day, every other week, where they're going and prosecuting. Uh, They got some 90 year old former Nazi in a wheelchair and bam, bring him in. (laughs) Let's get this, let's get the proceedings rolling. That's the same way we should be thinking about all of this. Not, you know, let's be quick to forgive and turn the other cheek. That is nonsense. Uh, Nobody else is expected to abide by those rules of immediate forgiveness with no. Restitution, no repair of the damage. Just hey, let bygones be bygones, and let's move forward. That is nonsense. We should really be moving away from all of that. That's just encouraging uh, us being in a position where whites can continue to victimize us, and we don't even think of it as being victimized. Just hey, we we all about forgiving and moving forward. Uh, but that that happened as well. Um, just scrolling through to see some of the other things. <laughs> the New York Times had this article. Uh, it was titled after an easy start. I said I was going to the phone lines. <laughs> I said uh, the New York Times had this report on workplace racism. Uh, and it was titled after an uneasy start, finding common ground to discuss racism. And even the optics that go with this image. I don't know if this is in the physical paper. I doubt it's in the physical paper today. It might be there tomorrow, but it's online. The optics, they have a black male. Who says, you know, he brings up racism on the job and he was talking about the Michael Brown situation. He was talking about the Eric Garner situation and blah, 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 blah. Uh, he said that every time he would do it, and I think it was maybe he was the only black person at this job. It was some sort of uh, tech industry job. He might have been the only black person. Or maybe it was one other black person. And uh, he said every time everyone would be like, oh. Well, I'm done with my lunch. Let me get on. And it would, you know, clear out the whole room every time. Uh, And he said one time somebody responded like, well, how do you know race had anything to do with it all? You know, you Negroes are infamously a criminal or something to that effect. Anyway, eventually uh, some one of his white colleagues suspected racist spoke up and said, oh, yeah, I was at the Eric Garner protest. Uh, And so they started talking about all this and how long it was. But the image they have is this black male is there and he's. Looks like he would probably qualify for morbid obese. Morbid obese is, to my understanding, if you are more than 40, 50 pounds uh, overweight. Uh, So very, very overweight. And then uh, this white guy and the black male uh, is smiling. And to me, it looks like he's looking up at the ceiling. He's not even looking at the camera at the moment that they click this picture. The white guy, he's smiling. He's looking right in the camera uh he's a little bit older but he's you know not overweight uh noticeably uh, overweight in the photos just a stark contrast uh, even in the way that they are depicted uh but interesting i noted uh if you read further down in the article the black male his wife says that she tells him all the time not to bring up racism on the job and it says that his response is that it's advice he cheerfully ignores. <laughs> and I just there you go. I can only emphasize again. That is something I've said consistently. I've heard Mr. Fuller say it. I think even some of our other guests have said, I think it is one of the worst things you can do to be bringing up racism on the job. That is not the time or place to be talking about racism. If whites bring it up, fine. Listen, take notes. You can even ask them questions if they voluntarily bring it up. But I would not just be coming out on the job. Soon as you punch in, man, I cannot believe what happened with Tamir Rice. Did you see what the Sanford? I would not encourage Any of that. And I've seen I think we have had guests who said that this ended up producing problems and trouble for them when they tried to bring up racism on the job. I just I don't think it's the right time and place, but that's my opinion. But that was there as well. I did say I was going to the phone line, so I will I will do so. Uh, The folks that dialed in with a hand up, uh, if you had comments, listener in the Bay Area Uh, I did respond on air to your question. I hope you heard it. I hope it was not me talking crazy. Uh, If uh, you had questions or other thoughts, you can feel free to chime in as well. But uh, everybody who dialed in with a hand up, you should be with us. Feel free to uh, share. Everyone with a hand up. Be heard? Yes, ma'am. Good evening,
5: Gus, and uh, to the callers and to the listeners. Um, I just wanted to uh, comment on uh, a news clip that had the compensatory calling, not this past Saturday. I'm kind of a little behind the Saturday before. It had been on my mind because um, there was something that the guest said that was not ringing true, and I think he was being deceptive in the clip. Anyway, it was an Eric Foner. He was doing an interview with your BFF on um, Amy Goodman on a book he wrote called Gateway to Freedom. Do you remember that?
2: Yes, ma'am.
5: Okay, Pulitzer Prize when an officer, or, author and a professor at Columbia. Okay, so somewhere in his comments, he said something around the 10.30 mark in the recording where he went into juxtaposing college terrorism against blacks then and now um, at colleges including Columbia and he said, and I quote, you don't have and you don't see overt racial and he pauses at Columbia very much saying that there wasn't any incidences in Columbia and I said that's not true I don't know how long he's been there but I'm thinking it's quite a while because you know he's just his author and he's a professor there but back in 2007 there was a sister there she was a professor and there was a noose hanging on her door I remember that clearly Also, in 2011, there was an incident with somebody at them, I think he worked in the mail room or something. Anyway, they settled out of court for like $200,000 with him because it was calling him a monkey and a gorilla and all kinds of stuff. So, this Mr. Foner was being very deceptive um, in that interview, and I just wanted to... um, it was running around in my head for the past couple of weeks. I was wanting to get that out and um, comment on it. That's all I had. I'll meet my line.
2: Oh, for sure. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah, like that standard operating procedure, I'm sure that sort of thing happens all the time. And I do remember that incident, um, the black female professor where they they had a noose. Uh, (laughs) Interestingly, and that's why I said a lot of these incidents, I know, I mean, there's so many things that are happening. um, And I mean, this is probably just the tip of the iceberg, as they say, because there's so many more things that don't get reported. You know, so we'll never know about it. Uh, But uh, this is in The New York Times. Right. So this is this is what happens when the story dies down and doesn't get as much attention. Right. Uh, Columbia University professor who gained widespread attention last fall after a noose was found hanging on her office door was fired on Monday after months of wrangling over charges that she plagiarized the work of two former students and a former colleague. Madonna G. Constantine, a professor of psychology and education with a focus on racial issues at Columbia's Teacher College, was sanctioned in February after an 18-month investigation into into the plagiarism charge, but allowed to stay in her job and to appeal the ruling that she had violated the university's academic standards. But over the last five months, tension between Dr. Constantine and the administration grew more strained as she vigorously defended herself, filing not just the appeal, but also a grievance against Susan Furman, the college president. Paul G. Acamo, Dr. Constantine's lawyer, said that the college's move to dismiss his client was purely retaliatory. Dr. Constantine has until July 15 to decide whether to challenge her ouster before one of two faculty committees. Mr. Giacomo said, adding that she might also sue the college for wrongful termination in either state or federal court. Uh, The teacher college spokesman confirmed that Dr. Constantine had been dismissed pending a hearing by a faculty committee, but otherwise refused to comment on what led to the action. I will stop there, but yes, I remember the case and that is That is the system of white supremacy and what happens pretty regularly. Uh, You point out that you're being mistreated and then you get additional mistreatment.
5: And this is recent and he couldn't, and he thought that he couldn't remember that. (laughs) You know, that's why as he was speaking, I was like, he is being extremely deceptive. Talking about nothing goes on at Columbia University.
2: Ah. Yeah, I agree. And I'm sure there's more. I'm sure that's not the only incident uh, that's popped up. I'm sure if there are black students, uh, black alumni who have been there, I'm sure they could probably cite some other things that have happened uh, that didn't get the same type of attention uh, as what happened with Dr. Constantine If uh, folks had any other comments on that or the, any of the other folks that are with us, uh, if you all had comments, feel free to chime in as well. Greetings. Mm-hmm.
9: Uh, yes, uh, uh, with the, uh, the guests that count, uh I think uh, one aspect that would have been would have been interesting is uh, for the person to define uh this acronym that seems to be getting larger and larger I think right now with what LGBT T uh four four uh subjects uh and and it can long even uh show and tell upon on a stage to show everybody who uh they are com- uh, co- uh com- trying to convince to show them clearly on what are you exactly are you talk- talking about. It's just a, a prime example of, of Of confusion, that something that victims of racism and white supremacy—that's the last thing that needs that they need to to uh, to have. Uh, I mean, the the whole distortion of what sexual, what sex actually is, is just a story. You know, I mean, uh, with animals, uh, 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 people. Are, I mean, in, in the future, it's, it's heading in that direction. Excuse <coughs> me that where you can I have a right to marry my dog or something you know uh, of all types of things that are called sexual activity uh, but uh, also because uh, I've heard heard you uh, speaking about uh, the people's activity or religion and I agree it it, 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 it uh, seems to be when it comes to religion with non-white people, especially non-white black people, it's this encouragement to forgive, forgive, forgive. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing in my mind about white people when it comes to their version of religion, where forgiveness is in in the line of things. At all, uh, they uh, are, are, are performing the crucifix as a B fifty two bomber is taking off to to drop bombs on non white people, uh, killing thousands. Uh, Lord, please, this bomber dear, to be accurate, you know, into uh, killing our enemies. So speak is a as a version of one of their prayers, uh, and I I I think it's. Actually, what it is is a thin veil of non-white people, because we have to be very careful on the subject matter, thin veil of non-white people actually, in their confusion, are actually practicing the religion of white supremacy. Uh, when when you have that idea in mind is to forgive someone who is, who is uh, 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 harming you on a daily basis with no sight of the war ending that's against us. And uh, it, so that's, that's basically how I uh, look at it from a uh, scientific uh, standpoint, uh, logical standpoint. I mean, I, I've done tons of research and I don't see anything at all where, where white people uh, uh, declare that we're going to forgive our enemies. You know, none at all. But uh, constantly, they, it, it, it's expected for non-white people, especially non-white black people, uh, if harm has come to them, to number one be non-violent in defense of their very lives, and and to uh, and to uh, uh, forgive their enemies. You know, and uh, that's something actually that we need to be thinking about, and that's
2: all I have for right now. Nancy. Yes, ma'am.
10: I have a little cold. Good evening, Justice and the participants. Um, I've just been thinking about the distinguished gentleman from New York all this weekend, saying some prayers out to him. I don't know if he's in the audience or not, but I'm just like, hoping that that everything worked out for him you know I know he had to do whatever he had to do whatever he did do you know um you know by Malcolm X says by any means necessary we have to all understand that we don't walk in his shoes so I would love for him to tell us what happened because I've been on edge all weekend here I don't know if he's in the audience or not I'll just wait until you know he comes or whatever but I would just like that. Also, I want to add, it's funny that we talk about forgiveness, and my hero is, um, I think her name is Elias Gardner. You remember when she was in the audience and the reporter said, do you forgive um, the officer who did this? She said, hell no.
9: (laughs) Right on. (laughs) Oh,
10: yes. And I said, you know, I wasn't used to that. And I saw Reverend and looked at her all wide-eyed. And they all looked at her. And a lot of people kind of, you know, when they had that, they kind of break that hell no out. And I thought that was really sad. But I, I'm glad she really, really told, told it like it was when she said that. She, she's been my hero ever since. I'm, I'll am I'm up my line. Thank
2: Right on. <laughs> I'm just trying to, to build up uh, suspense in case we get... Uh, An update, one of our listeners wrote in, uh, this is about helping white people. They titled uh, the report, Helping White People Isn't Always Bad, with a smiley face. They said, uh, I was asked by a friend of mine to help her next door neighbors with something. As the majority of her neighbors are white, she knew that I wouldn't be willing to help unless I knew that not helping would harm a non-white person. Well, I looked out the window and noticed a tanning bed On the back of their truck. I immediately said yes and walked over to their house in a brisk pace. I had to clue them in on removing the legs from the bed as it would not be possible to get it through the front door. A friend of mine, a black male, owns a tanning salon and I helped him install them when he opened over a decade ago. I know a little about them. None of his customers know that place is black owned. His commentary on his clients. This is the most satisfactory job business I've ever had. <laughs> I, I um. I guess I'll read it because that's what he said. I be cooking their asses and they pay me for it. He calls his beds with a white person in it. Melanoma Souffle. After I was done helping them get it inside the house, they offered money and the usual But I politely declined. Yesterday was a good day. (laughs) Uh, To share that one. Anywho, uh, if any of the other folks uh, on the line uh, have things to share, feel free.
9: Can I be heard? Yes, sir. How you doing, I'm from New York? Um, I, I don't have a follow up for the, the the lady or, or for the um, story because I didn't go to work today. My professional was um, extremely high this morning. I had a headache, so I called out. So um, I, I have an update. I guess as of tomorrow, I feel a little bit better this evening, and I do have a few comments on so um, was that and um, the stories that you read. Um yeah i don't I don't think that forgiving white people is a good idea at all, and I think that that first story um was kind of along that line with the police with the tech. and um you know it's important not to let these racists off the hook um you know, I think they went back two years they said the cases that they closed, and they're looking into them to see if um, racism had anything to do with them. Um, prosecutions, uh, you keep in their statement, I mean, you know, the, the effect of racism goes back, it could be something small, uh, even at a workplace, you know, it could be something small, but, uh, if there's an investigation, they probably could go back 10 years and found other black employees, these things might have happened you know, if that's the case in the workplace, um, as far as prison rapes, sounds a lot like the report, you. Um, you um read the other day about the, the rapes in the army, the military. I mean it was like wow, you know,
8: it's,
9: it's um, um and lastly, um, the ex con um who who um was home and I, I said this the other day, I just I read more on the story and I just don't see them trying to find um this guy um murderers, um he killed a white woman whose daughter was the first to do whatever whatever she did, but you know, she's the first white woman to do it. She's a hero. Um and um she's married to a, a congressman or a former congressman. So um yeah, I mean like he took out a prominent white woman. You know, this, this this any white woman is prominent, but this one, you know, he, he I wouldn't be surprised if this is just Justice Served. Um if there's not a group of white people who, who probably track them and whatever, you know, going after people who got out of jail for killing white people, who knows? Um, but um, that's all I had to add.
2: Take care of your health. That's definitely uh, part of the design to have us stressed and uh, just not at ease as a result of being terrorized and then. How that impacts us on a biological level uh, in eroding our health, eroding our quality of life. Definitely take care of uh, take care of your health. We uh, miss anyone? Any of the other folks with us uh, who hadn't shared yet have anything they wanted to make sure they got in. I saw some other hands up. Uh, if you had a hand up, line should be open. Uh, you can feel free to chime in uh, on that as well. Um, let's see. I had a uh, question. Oh, I guess I can let folks know. Uh, Lacey Schwartz, uh, cowbell should be there. Uh, she was on the program, I think December, maybe November, sometime close to the end of 2014. Uh, she did the documentary film, uh little white lie where her, white mom uh, lied to her and told her she was Sicilian and that's why she had slightly darker, uh, darker skin. And her hair was a little bit more curly. And it turns out her, her white mom had been having a long running affair uh, with a black male for a number of years, even inviting this black male to their house uh, with her white husband and the whole nine. Um, And she found out about this, I think when she was, Eighteen, nineteen, somewhere when she first started college, she found out the truth about all this. Uh, she did a documentary. Uh, it's supposed to air on PBS. I think it's, um, the debut is today. Uh, so if you, people that are on the West Coast, I guess if you want to watch it on PBS, it should be on later this evening. People on the East Coast, it might be on right now, or maybe you already missed it, but I'm pretty sure this will be uh, available online Uh, And I'm sure they'll rebroadcast it as well. But uh, if folks want to check that out, uh, I think people that had some of our listeners already saw screenings uh, of the film where they went into more of the detail about her uh, mom's trifling and tacky behavior and how deceptive the mom was about all of this. And then uh, the white father him finding out that his wife had cheated on him with a black male and how that impacted him and some of the comments. Uh, he made about all of this and, and all that detail, I think is in the film. So folks want to check that out. That should be, uh, later, later today. Um, little white lies, the name, and they been blowing that They had, she was, uh, she was on New York public radio today and she'd been on MSNBC a few months back. They've really been doing a job of uh, heavily promoting her film, uh, yeah, I won't say more because she was on the program. So folks already know my opinion uh, about what I heard from her directly, but that should be today. Can I ask something to Yes, sir. Feel free.
9: Um, just an observation I made, and I think it's um, on what psychological warfare that white people do. Um, it's pretty cold in New York today, and um, you know, being that I was home, I had the luxury of going to pick my kids up from school. So, you know, as I'm walking on, you know, down the street, I see this, this white guy. He has on nothing but a um, shorts and a t-shirt. And it's like nothing to them, you know, and it's freezing. <laughs> and you see how the look, all these black kids getting out of school looking at them. And I'm like, man, this is like a psychological effect. Because I see them do that in the wintertime a lot, too. Like, we're all like, with goose downs and, and heavy coats and trying, trying to walk fast. And they're just out, you know, jogging with nothing on. It's like, just like this has no effect on me. And I think that's like a psychological weapon that they use against us because, I mean, we all look like, you <laughs> what do they need out of? Um, you know, that was my what I wanted to add, just the observation I mean. Um. Heard?
2: Yes, ma'am.
5: Um, to the caller that just spoke, Thomas, in New York, Dr. Layla Africa breaks that down really well. How we are different. Um, their blood chem their, their blood chemistry. So that is kind of like the norm for them. They you I, I know it's, it's it looks strange to me too, but they ain't feeling nothing. <laughs> That's all I had to say. I'm my line.
2: I'm going to look into that definitely, folks. Uh, if you all have anything else you want to, make sure you uh, get in. Uh, this I saw this report a few weeks back, and for whatever reason, I didn't share it immediately. I just made a note that, oh wow, that's that's really important moving forward um, for people. I think victims frequently, we're encouraged to think that it's something we did. It's something wrong with us. We didn't study hard enough. We didn't work hard enough. We didn't do well enough at school or whatever pants were sag, anything uh, where it's, it's, it's our fault. Uh, We are to blame uh, for the problems that the system of white supremacy deliberately creates for black people. Uh, But there was a report uh, courts. It's an online publication. Uh, where it's black Harvard graduates have the same shot at a job callback as white state college grads. Now, I uh, when I first saw the report and I started going through the details, I was just like, wow, that's, uh, ooh. And then I looked at some of the details again, because uh, this came up yesterday. Someone was basically saying that their uh, non-white parents were admonishing them and saying, you know, you you would have a better career. You'd be making more money if you had you know, gone to an Ivy League school. Things would be better for you. And it reminded me of the support like that is not true. <laughs> and I, I had seen other reports that are that are similar to this as well. But they have statistics that bear that out, that that is simply not accurate. But uh, and it's a white person who did this study, uh, but it reads it says uh, using carefully designed test resumes submitted for job openings. The researchers found that black graduates of elite universities such as Harvard, Stanford and Duke were as likely to get responses from employers than whites. Than white graduates of much less prestigious state colleges, such as University of California, Riverside, University of Massachusetts, Amherst and the University of North Carolina, Greensboro. For both the races tested, there was a difference of about six percentage points between the response rates for graduates of state schools and those of elite schools. But the gap widens to 11 percentage points when you compare white elite college graduates to black graduates from the state schools. And it narrows to just 1.5 percentage points when the margin of error between white state school graduates and black graduates of prestigious schools. The guy who did this study, his name is uh, S. Michael Gaddis. Uh, he expected a gap between the elite and state colleges. He tells courts and he expected a gap between black and white applicants overall. He did not expect, however, to see that even among elite schools graduates, there was a big gap between whites and blacks. If we really think that education is the great equalizer, then someone who reaches the pinnacle of that system should be rewarded pretty equally. Gaddis says, I would have been surprised to be honest with you to see no gap at all, but to see that the gap for Harvard and the other elite applicants was basically the same was very discouraging. <laughs> and I just, I said, I think that for a lot of black people, that is intuitive. You can see that this is not designed for black success. It's just not set up for that. And I think for a lot of black people, they just say, forget it. It's designed to just have you totally give up, no motivation to do anything. Eh, We'll just sit around and do nothing, waste time. We won't make an effort to do well in school or anything else. And I definitely don't think that folks should take that perspective. You should try to do your absolute best Uh, with the skills and talents that the creator has bestowed upon you. But I think it's important to understand we are in a environment, a system that has been totally designed for you to fail. Everything about this has been set up for that. Like literally they rehearse the demise of black people all the time. And I think it sets you up to being just additionally stressed when you take it as it's me, I'm just not up to par or, I just can't get my act together or I'm just not as smart as them or whatever, whatever they want you to think. And I think that's particularly the case when you are more confused about racism or when you do not acknowledge and indict for what is happening to black people. Why we're in this predicament when you don't do that. I think it just it makes it a thousand times worse. Uh, and just your indictment of other black people, indictment of yourself. I think that just encourages a lot of that anti-blackness when you don't understand, when we're not being truthful that, hey, this this environment is designed, is set up. White people gloat and look forward to black failure so they can ridicule and joke and laugh about it and text their friends <laughs> about these niggers and all. I mean, this is what we have. This is the world that we live in. Uh, but, yeah, I just I thought that was really important. I was able to download the study. I'm going to see if we can get the author. Uh, on the program, but yeah, I thought that was. I put it on my Facebook page today, and uh, I think several people who caught that they noted that the white guy uh s Michael Gaddis that he carefully crafted this study to get these results, which again, just white people are not ignorant about racism at all. They have their microscopes, as I said before, their lab coats they study the crevices the cracks get down to the nucleus at a cellular level in terms of understanding racism, white supremacy, literally and figuratively uh, with that metaphor. Uh, But any other folks uh, have any, I see, if you have a hand up, your line should be open. Feel free to uh, chime in. If you have a comment, you want to make sure you get in. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am.
8: Uh, Good evening, guys. And to the caller, excuse me, I'm a
2: little congested,
8: but I definitely want to add um, to the conversation this evening. I just really wanted to thank you for reading that uh, message from the person about uh, her children or her child, the concerns with, you know, them going into school. Um, I'm glad you shared that. I have a college freshman and a sophomore in high school, and it's interesting because here in Detroit, I made a, a point to take my children out of the Detroit public schools because of the quality of the education that they were receiving and put them in a school in the suburbs, and I remember talking to my son before I took him out of Cass Tech, which is supposed to be the best of the best in Detroit, and I put him in a suburban school, I said, whatever you do, just don't get you a white girl, <laughs> you know, I made sure I tried to ingrain that in his head, and um, he went over to the schools um, in the suburbs, and he is a foot- he was a football player, and all the, you know, white girls were just flocking to him, and it was just one of those things where, as he was um, progressing through 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, I was really resistant. I mean, I was just going to live it, but I found what helped me um, with getting him to listen or to understand was, like you said, Gus, was the communicating. I mean, I changed my tone as, you know, just being, you know, you shouldn't do this and just really fussing and mad and showing my, uh, you know, dissatisfaction with, you know, just a lot of the, friend choices so to speak. Um but like you said, they are, you know, it, there's, there, there's no way we can escape it in, under this system right now and so I found that communicating and just being open and talking and really sharing and just saying you know just talking communicating is so important with our, um, our young people and I decided at that point when I noticed you know took my children to put them in the school how like you said it's so important to be involved in the school I even started a youth program at their school and it took off um, because I'm so engaged in the school. And it's so interesting because now um, I have a youth program where we focus on public speaking skills. And so I, I'm hosting my second speech contest at the school. And now where the school was majority like white, there's a lot of um, people from the Detroit schools that's coming over to the suburban schools. So the, the speech program that I host is... Um, majority black students and we have this one white girl that's in the class now and so i'm like teeter-tottering with the subject i'm like okay well for the speech competition guys what are we going to have as our topic because they have to all you know compete against each other but they're speaking on the same topic and so i said well let's do black lives matter and I noticed that, the um, you know, a couple of students said, well, what about Sarah? You know, she's the only white girl in the group. And so I noticed how they were, you know, concerned about little old Sarah's feelings. And I said, well, Sarah should be able to speak about Black Lives Matter. You know, I'm like, you know, why, why should we have to change our topic because we're thinking about her? I said, we're in a society where they don't think about... They don't consider your feelings. You know what I'm saying. And she should be able to speak about it. So, I just wanted to um, to piggyback off of what you were saying to make sure you're involved in the school as mu- as best as you can. Let make sure everyone you know knows you. The teachers know you. Um, it's to the point where, you know, they might as well pay me a salary. That's how involved I am. And I made a conscious effort of it when I saw how, you know, my children are active in the school and they're, you know, athletes or are a part of different programs and things like that. So I just appreciated, um, the, the person who wrote the email to you, and I also appreciate you sharing it because um, those of us who have children, and you know, we, we, this is just a reality that we're going to face. And I remember when Dr. Wilson was on. Um, the program. And when I first found out about the cows, I remember asking her, you know, about the education piece, like, well, what do you do when, you know, you know, you're concerned about the quality of education you know, putting them in the school with the majority of non-white people. Um, It's just the schools are just not up to par in some cases. I don't want to say in all cases, but in some cases. And I've had my children in what was considered the best in the city of Detroit. And it was just you know, I, I wasn't satisfied, I'll just say that. So um, she was just saying, you know, you have to be active. You have to be, you know, I would, you know, just, <clears throat> she encouraged me to put them in the school that provided the best quality um, of educating them, but you have to be involved. So I, again, just wanted to um, add that part to the conversation, and thank you for sharing that um, email. And I'll mute my mind.
2: Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> never mind. I think it was just a report that came out. I think it got a lot of attention the last few days or maybe the last week or so that uh, a white family, I uh, think they might even be suing because, uh, some black students for black history month, they put on a play of black lives matter and they felt like excluded or <laughs> something was incorrect about this because they were white. How was their white child supposed to fit in on all of this? And, uh, I think they either have a suit filed or, you know, they've made a big, a big grievance uh, about this, that they feel they have been wronged. Um, (laughs) Like just got a lot of attention over the last week, but that is. uh... Well, I
8: guess I better be prepared for (laughs) 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 for the speech competition because I mean, it's so interesting because this white girl shows up, I mean, for the whole entire school year, it's been all black students. And then all of a sudden now, like towards the contest time where, money's on the line. This one white girl shows up and the whole, you know, the room just changed. It's like everybody's being so protective of Sarah. So I'm like, Black lives matter is going to be a, a speech topic and it's like <gasps> So yeah, I'll I'll be prepared.
2: <laughs> mm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to see if I can find that uh report. There it is. There it is. Uh this was in uh, Atlanta black star. Oh, this is on Don Lemon. So yeah, this got a lot of attention. This is on Don Lemon. Um, or I might've been jumping the gun. Maybe I'm jumping the gun. I thought this was like last week, but it looks like this was like today. <laughs> um, uh, I'll see if I can, if I can download it, I'll, uh, I'll just play it that way. Cause I haven't heard what they had to say about this on CNN. Um, let me see if I can get a report that I can actually read Um, in the meantime. Let's see. Parents livid over elementary school's failure to disclose nature of Black Lives Matter show. Hmm. Okay. Parents are furious after Virginia... Parents are furious after a Virginia high school failed to notify them that their elementary school children were participating in a Black Lives Matter play as a part of the school's Black History Month event. The play held at Orange County High School last week contained skits like, I can't breathe. Does my black life matter? Question mark. They don't really care about us. In an interview with Fox and Friends, one couple said they were only informed that their eight year old daughter would be singing in a Motown medley but said they were not notified of the true nature of the performance. The parents did not reveal their last names. The student's mother, Rebecca, who attended the performance, said that as soon as she entered the auditorium to watch her daughter sing, she felt uneasy. Many of the students were wearing hands up, don't shoot shirts. She told Fox that she immediately contacted her husband, Charles, a a deputy sheriff, (laughs) to let him know what was going on. Charles wrote in a Facebook post on a pro-police page that students recited last words to the audience during the show. One student said, I'm from Ferguson, Missouri. I was told to put my hands up. I did, and I was shot seven times. My name is Michael Brown. The Justice Justice Department, however, recently concluded that witness accounts that Brown had his hands up in surrender when he was shot were not credible. After the show, Charles said he was faced with serious questions from his daughter about why cops shoot black people, (laughs) why cops shoot good people and whether he is a bad cop. It really took me off guard. We had to have a discussion with our daughter in great detail about current events that we should have never had to have had. School superintendent Brenda Tanner defended the students and the program. I support the young people. They didn't show anger. They didn't show defiance. They were presenting information in a way that they were trying to deal with issues. And they kept a recurring theme throughout the night. Was our lives matter? Miss Tanner said in a statement. The parents say that. They recognized the high school students worked hard to put on the show, but argued that it was not appropriate for elementary school children to be exposed to that subject matter. They added that the school board's response has not been sufficient. Knowing that it was going to be controversial material, we should have been notified as parents and we were not. There's been no apology. There's been no, this will not happen again. This that needs to be done. Charles told uh, Fox and Friends. Uh so looks like perhaps maybe i don 't know if there maybe there's a suit maybe there's not a suit. <laughs> I have to look at some of the uh additional uh news reports to see if there's an actual suit that's that's going in with this as, as as well but yeah, that is something I would maybe be on the lookout about particularly if if the uh the victims are already showing their concern for sarah uh the parents might uh, or other whites might rally as well. And there's been a lot of that as well, just since I read it uh, in terms of people saying that they are uh, reneging on the hands up, don't shoot. And the separate Justice Department report that said these witnesses who said Michael Brown's hands uh, were up were not credible and other witnesses that his hands weren't up or it was unclear The position of his hands, there have been a lot of reports. There was a report in the New York Times today. There was a report in the Washington Post last week. They had the black and it was a black person who wrote the Washington Post piece. Uh, They had him on NPR where he said he was wrong and I made an error and Michael Brown didn't have his hands up. And this is all based on a lie. This whole hands up, don't shoot. Uh, It's just wrong and blah, blah, blah. There's been a a growing theme uh, of that uh, where a lot of whites and even getting a lot of victims uh, to say that this was all based on a lie. And we've had six months or eight months, I guess it is now eight months of all this rowdiness and yelling uh, on something that was based on a lie. I'd say that's something to pay attention to as well.
9: you heard?
2: Yes, ma'am.
5: The show that you were speaking about, Little White Lie, it is coming on PBS now for everybody who's on the East Coast, I suppose. Mm. That's what I thought. That girl is dark. That girl is dark. I'm looking at pictures all in real life when she was little. There's no way in the world. I don't know. Obviously a Black
2: girl. Yeah, that reminded me Dave Myers. He was on that program where he also very dark person, uh, obviously looks like a black person, and uh, his white mother lied to him as well uh, and pulled this off for some 18 years or whatever the case may be, but yeah, I'm going to make time to watch that. I, again, sh- this should be online. As soon as I see the link where it's online, I'll share it, so if people want to check it out, they can uh, see what, what they have to offer. Uh, Lacey Schwartz, she is married to a black male, uh, but yeah, I thought uh, folks would want to check that out. Was she want to show before,
9: Gus?
2: Yes, sir. Back in either she's November, She a
9: woman from from
2: Woodstock, and nobody ever told her that she was black. So she said, uh, "I think I said on the program." Yeah. I didn't. I didn't believe <laughs> that she had uh, the incident she talked about, where a white person told her that she was. Uh, she said she was Jewish, and she said, "I think they said something to the effect of that she was an Ethiopian Jew." Uh, and I said that to me right there seems like a comment where they're saying that you're not white. Uh, when she was, and this was before that she knew the whole truth of everything, uh, and she contested that. I remember we ended up wasting a lot of time going back and forth about that as well. But yeah, she said that she didn't she didn't remember hearing any comments where white people challenged her or said anything to suggest that they didn't accept her as a white person growing up before she got accurate information. Have you heard? Yes, ma'am.
11: I just wanted to comment on a couple things. And um, greetings, everyone. Um, you know, Taraji P. Henson from uh, Empire most recently. There was a, a report, actually, it's in people. I sent it for you today. Um, she's pulling her son. She was going to send him, I guess, to USC, but they've been racially profiling him. He's been pulled over for checked check for having his hands in his pocket, and I guess in the area, just pulled over numerous times. And she said she's gonna send him to Howard instead because she just can't. She says she won't be able to sleep just worrying about him. You know, riding around. I I imagine he has a nice car too, and so, and they just keep stopping him. And then um, regarding the Ferguson. Story, i'm really i uh, I'm really skeptical because I don't think things like that get made up. I mean it happened spontaneously that day with the people that were there and I've never heard of that happening before and i i I understand i don't know i guess it's part of their narrative that well they were that that um Darren Wilson was justified in killing him. Um, but, you know, just, I don't know, they just make up or actually deny our value in any way, shape, or possible uh, as possible. We're the liars, not them. And so, um, and it goes on and on, no matter what happens. But when, when you know, like this woman, this, okay, now she's caught in the lie again, the same lie about being raped at UVA. You know, because they downplayed that so much. They had, I don't know how many people, who, well, that doesn't mean, even though they, that this story may not have held up, she might have been raped sometime, somewhere. Well, you know, even though they didn't have any real evidence in the beginning. So it, it kind of, you know, I guess clearly illustrates our system of racism, white supremacy, on and on. So, but, you uh, you know, and I and I kind of don't blame Taraji for moving her son. You know, especially if he's already getting uh, profiles. But I don't know that being anywhere else in the country is going to help either. So, but, uh, that's, those, those are my comments.
2: I was thinking the same thing. Not that I. I have no beef at all. Her, uh, taking her child out of USC and and putting them in the HBCU, no problem at all. But, uh, exactly. I don't, I don't know that that's going to make your, your black life will be any safer there. Um, I don't, uh, that would be going to DC. DC certainly was not a safe environment for Miriam Carey. So, but, uh, yeah, no, no beef with her uh, getting them out. of it. It's been a lot of reports of, of black people, black students having a difficult time at USC with racism. I mean, that's the case everywhere, but it's been a lot of high profile cases where uh, they've been harassed and the campus police uh, the harassing and antagonizing uh, black students at USC. It's been a number of incidents uh, over the last two years or so uh, at that campus specifically.
11: It's kind of in a bad area of L.A., and they've been trying to clean it up, you know, you know to make it more, you know, I don't know, like suburban, <clears throat> but, uh, and so I think that's part of it, and, and, you know, it's a private school, very expensive, they had a, um, and I never did, um, actually hear who did it, but they had a shooting right out right up, right around that area where two, um, Foreign students were killed in a car sitting there. Mm. So, that was about two years ago. So. Wow! Uh, so I'm, I'm sure they're, you know, more on edge
2: because of that, you know, huge money coming in there. So. Mm. That's one of the flagship uh, institutions for California and even for the country. That's one of the major, uh, major public institutions. Their football program and. Everything else, Uh, even speaking of the football program, I think uh, it was a black student at USC, a black football player who uh, left the team where he accused the coach of practicing racism and saying that he was talking down to him and calling him a boy and all that. I think that was at the beginning of uh, this academic year, uh, right? Like in the fall of 2014, that happened at at USC as well.
11: I'm not surprised. they actually call it the university. What is it? University for Spoiled Children.
2: Mm. (laughs)
11: <laughs> because it's so expensive it's you know not too far from u c l a but um at, i think the tuition is twice as much
9: from from my understanding uh going back to uh when Rendall james simpson uh attended u s c uh its campus uh sit in the middle of the uh sits in the middle of the predominantly quote-unquote black area uh but the, the 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 uh racist tag of conservatives has always been connected with USC as far as the inner workings within the campus itself uh also uh i've i've read where a lot of uh hollywood executives are connected with u s c this is one reason why o j Simpson was able to get get uh contracts for commercials uh uh some movies and whatnot uh as he was uh gaining stardom coming out of college, uh, maybe with the actress, I think her name is Miss Henson, if I'm not mistaken, Uh, maybe she was talking about the campus police. I could be wrong. Maybe she was speaking about the campus police. And I would imagine in the institution like that, the, the majority of the enforcement officials are going to be white on the campus. Uh, whereas yeah. pro- she's probably thinking at Howard or, you know, uh, I, I went to two historical black colleges and the majority of the enforcement officials of all of them that I know about are going to be non-white black. And that's maybe that's what she's thinking. But that still, like, like y'all saying, it still is no guarantee about, about anything. But uh, that, 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 May be what she's thinking about. I, I saw the article myself, and I'm not against her trying to find the best, the best and safest environment for a child. Although I don't like this show that that the uh, her current
8: hand. Yeah.
11: Yeah, I'm kinda of disappointed in her, but I guess they're getting they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're getting the ratings.
9: <laughs> yeah, UCLA's supposed to be the quote unquote more liberal campus, and yet two black panthers were murdered on the campus back in nineteen sixty nine, so <laughs>
2: Name drop for Bunchy Car. Have
0: you
2: heard? Uh, yes, sir. We can hear you, uh, Thomas, in New York. I just want to check real quick. Is anybody... Sorry. Uh, y'all good. Or, yeah, y'all good. Anybody uh, that we missed? Anybody who didn't get a chance to share at all?
4: Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Um, the other gentleman can go first. i I've never called before, and I um, stumbled on the network when you were doing... um. The American Sniper book, right? And um, so I've been spellbound ever since. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know if if you want me if I can talk about what I wanted to talk about. Because please
9: first, ladies first.
4: Oh uh, well, it, Gus, I wanted to talk about the the guest that you were supposed to have on originally the. Uh, the Malachi mm-hmm. um, I was looking at her picture and she looks to be well is you know she's dressed in male attire so I don't know in fact if if it's you know what her gender you know definition is but as a woman i I just want to say that um, I have a tremendous problem with the the transgender movement, specifically the males who want to change into females. Um, and I'm even more upset that you know they have uh, people like Laverne Cox, Janet Mock, and they have put these black people on the face of a movement that is very, very white, male-privileged dominated. And, um, as a woman, white males have defined womanhood. They define the beauty standards. Gay males control the fashion industry, which is a very racist, sexist industry. And now we have a third set of males, transgender males, who have decided to move into women's spaces and they are telling us that they're women and they don't want to hear us talk about our menstrual periods or our having children because that's offensive to them as women. You know, this is how crazy it's getting. And so, um, I mean, you take the basketball player, the 50-some year old basketball player. I don't know if you're familiar with this. He's... A big old six foot eight man, and he has moved. He calls it now, he is considered himself a woman. And what has he done? He has, he is now on a college basketball team with a bunch of young girls. Well, I mean, he's lived his life mostly as a man, and yet he is in the private spaces of these young women. Now, in Canada, they had a case where. They allowed a transgender man into a woman's shelter, and he started raping women. I mean, there's been cases where they have come into women's bathrooms, taking pictures of women urinating, all kinds of things that, you know, that are not being reported. Um, you cannot have. I mean, I'm five foot four. I don't know. You know, you have some big six foot male coming into the bathroom. Uh, I don't care if he is in a dress. That's intimidating. But I think it's because we are women, because you can dominate women's spaces. Um, For example, um, Laverne Cox was on the cover of Essence. But you will not see Chaz Bono on the cover of of Esquire, because men are not going to allow you to do that. So I am very, very, very um, disturbed by, you know, the way this is going, and uh, I, I I don't like being defined. I mean, I don't like a, a male telling me. <laughs> I I mean, it, maybe I sound I, I'm I'm just I'm sounding bigoted. I hope I am not, but I I just can't. I can't get over someone that's born a male telling me that he's a female. And then I, who have suffered through tumors and things that women get that men don't, I mean, all kinds of things that women are subjected to that men don't have to go through, and then this guy is going to discount this because he feels he is also a woman. So I don't know, but I—I um, I mean, look, look. Ann Coulter, for example, Ann Coulter's a dude. I'm just going to say it. I mean, Ann Coulter has an Adam's apple bigger than my brother's. She has massive hands. Yet she is able to spew all this racist rhetoric and even sexist rhetoric, and yet I could not call her on being a man because that has seemed hateful toward her. But yet she can say all these ridiculous things Um, about, you know, about you know, about black people and about. Minorities. I think she's insulted just about everybody. But you know, I appreciate you letting me have my say. <laughs> I hope I'm coherent. But uh, I was quite angry. I'm quite angry
8: about it.
2: Hmm. I uh, that was I was hoping to get clarification uh, from. Malachi Garza uh, the same thing because I am not clear in terms of how she identifies I know she has uh, worked for uh, transgender justice put that in quotes whatever that's supposed to mean but uh, exactly what you said in terms of I had that on my list to ask her about in terms of putting a uh, black face uh, on the quote unquote gay rights LGBTQ I think they've added two other letters on now uh, all of that anti-sexual behavior, um, as Laverne Cox and Orange is the New Black, they had her on the cover of uh, Time magazine uh, yes, they towards did. the end of 2014. And it said, this is the new frontier of civil rights. Uh, and we talked about before just the meaning of that and the, the words, just everything around that. Uh, as well as Jason Collins and Michael Samuels, an endless list. Uh, Brittany Griner uh, putting up black people uh, to say this is supposed to represent PBS. Since we're talking about documentaries, PBS had a documentary that came out uh, in the spring of last year called The New Black. And <clears throat> it was one of my BFF, Amy Goodman, one of her former colleagues. She had her on Democracy Now!, uh, and they were talking about black people being homophobic. And I was going to ask her about that. What does she think about this presentation of having all these black people to come out and represent uh quote unquote gay rights. And then at the same time saying that black people are homophobic, like you said, saying that you feel like you, people say, oh, you're a bigoted or you're a homophobe right. and all the other name calling that they do. That's a standard aspect of it as well. If you object, if you have concerns, if you're not, you know, vigorously endorsing this and ready to run out and join the parade, uh, then, oh, you are a homophobe and you're just like the rest of these Negroes who are notoriously homophobic because they keep saying that as well. And that's global. Uh, you see that on the continent with Uganda and these countries where they are not uh, willing to sign off and say we're going to go gay rights and all that. They're doing the same thing in the Caribbean with black people down there. And in, in this country, it's in that documentary that I just referenced. And then I think his name is. Uh, Tyler, James Craig, or I might be mixing up the, uh, the terms. My apologies. I just, I forgot I'm a victim. Uh, but he's, uh, everybody hates Chris. He was in that he was in, uh, dear white people. He was in the walking dead as well. Uh, he had just at the end of 2014 came out and said that black people were notoriously homophobic. Uh, Lee Daniels victim of racism had also came out and said the same thing that he was, that he was making it his mission to go after, uh, black people being so homophobic and to change that. And it's like they're playing both sides of it in terms of how they're portraying uh, black people. But I was looking to get to ask her uh, the very questions uh, that you raise. And even it reminded me of the report that came out, I think, uh, last year it was a black female. She's a student in Mississippi, a college student. And she wrote this great piece, uh, also for Time, uh, where she was taught. She addressed a lot of the concerns that you had about the representation of black females and how you have all of these white people who say that they're gay or transgender or what have you. And they want to dress up like a black female and take, uh, appropriate, uh, all of the culture and mannerisms behaviors of black females and say, Oh, now this is ours. This is, this is going to represent being a gay person, being, being a white gay person or a white transgender person. And she was saying that she just felt this was another aspect of racism. And I agree. And it was a significant number of whites who were very angry uh, at her post uh, and I remember this white guy wrote a- We read it on the program. This was summer of 2014. He wrote a response and he said that the best friend of black females is white gay men. That was the thesis of this report. Uh, I think some oh, of should remember it. Dear. But yeah, this is summer 24. And this is also in time. Like they allowed him to get his response. And he said that, you know, we know everything that you've been through. We can relate and we are your allies and fighting against racism and sexism and all of your frustrations and don't push us away. And we're right there to help you out. And gay rights has made all of this progress. And now we can do the same thing to help you all out. If you just aren't so ornery and, you know, getting upset and accusing us of being racist and, you know, further maligning black females, uh, this this very big post that he uh, that he authored last summer uh, but yeah I, I, just the, all of the concerns that you laid out I, I think they're totally valid uh, it's not quote unquote bigoted I think it's just asking logical questions and making an assessment of what has happened which is just another aspect of racism white supremacy and all this gay right and I guess I'll end um, in terms of where all this is going because she I guess she lives in California they passed I believe it was the end of 2013, they passed the transgender students' rights bill. This is Governor uh, Brown uh, in California. And it was uh, any student, if you're in California public schools, if, okay, I can be in third grade, little Billy, if I come to school on Monday and then I come to school on Tuesday and I say, well, you know what? I think I'm a female and I'm going to switch to Jane. And now I want to join. I want to go to the girls bathroom and I want to join the girls volleyball team and everything else. Everybody has to co-sign on that teachers, everything you have to allow. And this is from K all the way through high school. So this is, you know, 12th grade year. I have been Bobby, as you said, I'm, you know, six foot three, 190 pounds. And I am Jake. And then I come to school on Wednesday and say, you know what? I'm changing, I'm now going to be Jacinta, and I want to be on the girls basketball team and I want to use the girls bathroom. Everybody has to sign off on that and that's the whole state of California is supposed to be under this now. It kicked in in 2014 and I had kept saying, one, what is this going to look like 50 years down the road when you've had, you know, generations of this being in effect? I also said since California tends to be something that's kind of a uh, sets the tone, for the rest of this area of the world, when this starts to spread and you start having this everywhere, this is going to take black people to the cleaners. I think Mr. Fuller's been talking about this a lot. And the same thing I pointed out with the pronouns and getting rid of all that, it's been more and more of that catching on where don't call me she or her or him. Right. I'm Zog and Z- and all this. I mean, just oh, the whole gender.
4: Yes. Cis just
2: gender is another one
4: where. Uh, when a a transgender person has decided that, um, that cisgender fits, that I am no longer a female. I am cisgender. You as a man, you're cisgender. And cisgender means you have an advantage because you were born a male and I was born a female. And so... You know, I have an advantage over a transgender woman. You understand what I'm saying? And so we're cisgender. Now, who decides, who is making these, you know, these definitions, who's creating these definitions, and why are they being accepted? Um, if, if I could just say one more thing. Uh, the recent controversy was, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Elton John, um made um someone uh, the designer Dolce Gabbana made a comment about people who had uh, who relied on surrogate mothers and and uh, you know children through test tubes or whatever and um Dolce called them um synthetic children and there was this horrible outrage where J- Elton John said Dolce & Gabbana should be boycotted. Well, what's missing from that equation is Dolce & Gabbana is the racism of the fashion industry. And the... I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry it's the the racism of the fashion industry has long been ignored. Just the uh, Dolce & Gabbana has some of the most misogynistic ads you ever want to see, and nobody's ever said anything about this. But um, last week, it was just all over the news about boycotting because Elton John had his his feelings hurt. So, you know, I I I don't know. But I listen. I I appreciate you letting me how my get my frustration out. I was very scared to call in. I apologize to your listeners if if I sound a bit off because I was I was nervous calling in. But uh, I just had to get this off my chest.
2: <laughs> oh, well, for sure. No, uh, we're all victims here. No uh, need to be nervous, but. Uh... Yeah, I, I saw that as well. The, the Bill Bill Maher racist suspect. Uh, he said oh, yeah. uh, the gay mafia is uh, vicious. That they will will hem you up in a second if you sound like you are not in support of all things gay and LGBTQI whatever the letters they add on. Uh, and it's just another wing of the system of white supremacy, in my view. But yeah, when I when I saw all of that, it came to mind when all of these people come out and say how notoriously homophobic black people oh, yeah. are. Like, is that black people's fault? Like, did Dolce Cabana did they get you know some mm-hmm. Minister Farrakhan? Have they been listening to the cows or other material uh, and came to this conclusion? Like, is that black people's fault too? Like, uh, just pointing out all of these white people uh, who say that they're not down for the whole. Uh, gay thing either, uh, how that doesn't get classified, how it's not hey, white people are notoriously homophobic and that sort of thing. It just becomes a stigma for black people if we don't support uh, gay rights and LGBT and, you know, all that nonsense. But yeah, I I saw that from last week as well. Um,
4: And of course the guy that does the Real Housewives franchise is gay. And again, that is a gay male's interpretation of womanhood, which is very shallow, um, uh, you know, and you see how the women act on that show. And the same with the, the the show, which I never watched, Sex in the City, but it was, you know, produced by gay men, and it, again, it is a gay male's definition of womanhood, and it's really very much like gay men, the way gay men act. So, um... But anyway I will get also your other callers can chime in and thank you so much for let, allowing me to um voice my frustration. <laughs>
2: for sure, for sure. Good to hear from and, first time callers.
4: Um, well, I live in Ohio and I I plan to call back, you know, and, and uh perhaps next time I won't be so nervous, so you know, but I- all right, thank you guys.
2: For sure, for sure. Ohio. That report, I got that get that report. Everybody that's not just you, everybody should get the uh the DOJ report just to do a comparison contrast to what they had to say about the uh Cleveland police department. Uh and oh. this was done before Tamir Rice where they made their assessment of how uh, wayward and uh, corrupt the Cleveland Police Department was um, that shooting of those two black people unarmed black people where they got shot uh, over 137 times back in 2012 that is uh, yeah. won't be going to Ohio either. Um, Mr. Thomas in New York if you wanted to uh, to share I know you were waiting patiently if you uh, wanted to proceed. Oh
9: no problem man I agree with the lady was saying um... I just wanted to add to what she said Um, she should look up um Cynthia. Um Cynthia's like synthetic S Y N C H I A uh found articles on that because they've been working on a non gender being um that they, they've already had the DNA and patterns that have been passed and everything, but it essentially shows a, a person that can think and everything like a person. However, it doesn't have any genitalia. And um they're they're really pushing this in Europe. You'll find a lot of this like at um the Daily Mail or BBC. Um there's a lot of reports on this like about back in two thousand ten. It's called Cynthia. Um what I was gonna add because the um the guy who um, spoke before the um before the lady he had mentioned um on all James Simpson. And, um, I was in the supermarket yesterday and, uh, the line was long and, um, someone was reading a book, uh, one of those, um, inquirer type things. And it had a picture of OJ on it and I drifted off into a daydream and I started thinking that, you know, OJ was, um, such a big case when I was younger, you know, um, it, it was all about race. I mean, um. You know, the first time I think ever that the word nigga, um, was, um, actually helped the black person, you know, I mean, um, it, it actually got them all and, um, could be a big reason why they don't like that word anymore. Now they want to call it the N word because, um, I mean, once they got Furman to, to, you know, to take the tapes, I mean, if you think about all the things that's happened I mean, that I you know, the, the recorded tapes of someone saying something they shouldn't say and how much trouble you can get in behind it. I mean, it got the man off. I mean, um, anything he touched after that, eh, hey, he touched it. He said, nigga, and, you know, kind of made it look like, hey, there's enough reasonable doubt for us not to believe that. So when he said that, um, that that just um, brought me to that. And my question was, was that the firefighter? The gentleman who spoke us?
2: About O.J. Simpson? I think so.
9: Yeah. Oh, because I was watching on um, the news, and they had a bunch of um, outbreaks of fires in South Africa, and um, it was uh, maybe a couple weeks ago. But as soon as I saw the firefighters, I thought of the firefighters who always called into the program, and all the firefighters—none of them, none of them were, were black—and I was like, "Wow, you know, this is like America. All the firefighters are white." And I know what most of the cops in, in, in uh, South Africa are black, but it was just shocking that it was like two black firefighters out of about 100. So, you know, you saw about two flakes in there, and I just thought of that. Like, wow, I mean, I wonder if they do the same thing with the testing in South Africa to make it racially biased or culturally biased that, that keeps them from getting those jobs. And that's That's what I was going to say. Long history. Long history, uh, uh in firefighting, public black uh, in that job itself. Same thing, you know, police department, but, uh, firefighting also all over the world. Uh, I would say that one reason why is because, uh, the retirement is, uh, comparably pretty good with uh other forms of employment. And uh so that is one of the uh one of the jobs where it's very difficult for non white people to uh obtain.
2: Deliberately so. Deliberately and they will Oh yeah. Same thing I was saying earlier. How they will come up with all kinds of justifications. You're just not qualified. You can't hold the hose correctly, and you know it's just something defective about black people. You'll everything will burn down in the universe if we, you know, have black firefighters. It'll be just the same thing over and over and over again, uh, where they have excuse after excuse to justify. Uh, and the the legacy aspect that's something too. Uh, where I know here. Uh, Where that they pass that job down generation to generation where grandpa was a firefighter and dad and blah, blah, blah. And it just keeps the same thing that they do with uh, enforcement officials uh, where they get all that extra information so they know how to pass the test and they already have the hookups and the connections and everything. Uh, I think you had talked about before where the the benefits and what have you, that that's a a relatively cushy job uh, that one can have. Some dangers, obviously, but can be a pretty good job uh, to have. And if you can just kind of pass that along, pass that down uh, in your family line and keep that from anybody else, you can set your set your family up uh, for some generations. I'm sure they are doing the same thing worldwide I wanted to make sure I got in also before I forgot, NPR did a, a report last week just on the contempt for gender, uh and how they're really pushing that, particularly with black people. Uh they had some new singer and they were they were the thing that they were spotlighting is that he was quote unquote androgynous. Uh that he didn't really have any identifiers, male or female. Uh this is supposed to be a male but he has a really high pitched voice, so he kinda sounds like a female and Uh, then the music could kind of go either way. You can't really tell if it's male, female type thing. And they were really playing that up as an aspect of him being the the next big thing. Uh, And I think it's it's just going to be more of that sort of thing, the contempt for gender, Uh, degenderization. And, you know, we don't really have males. We don't really have females. You're all over the place. You can be both. You can switch day to day. It's just going to be more of that. And I think particularly – Uh, at the collegiate level, uh, that is just going to be massive and widespread. Uh, And so then you have, it's going to be lots of educated Black people who've been influenced by that way of thinking, whether they went and studied it or just if they took a class or just being around other people who are endorsing it. That that's, you know, after you have 10 years of that being solid and a lot of people coming through and having that, you know, way of thinking and more books and publications and films and that sort of thing coming out, like, man, it's just going to be a uh, mass confusion. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am.
11: Kind of on the thing, there was an article a couple years ago in Atlantic where Um, You know, the anthropologists, they discovered these two communities, African communities, where they didn't have words for masturbation or homosexuality. Kind of freaked, you know, white people out. So so they had to go in and they're studying them. I don't know how long they're going to, you know, be able to maintain their culture. But to them, sex is searching for children. And they have sex multiple times a night. And they seem to enjoy it. And, um, you know, these are all quotes out of the article, and I'm, I just kind of laugh to myself. As they're destroying everything in this culture, they find these people, and they don't, and they don't know how to act. And they said that, um, uh, what do they call it? Claims about human nature are drawn exclusively from samples of Western-educated, industrialized, rich, democratic societies. And they, and they put in parentheses, weird. So, so maybe that that's kind of it in a nut, nutshell. You know, they're you know they force everything upon us. That because um, I can remember back in 2008, they blamed black people for that Proposition 8 passing, the one that said a marriage um, between a husband and wife. And, um, which actually laid the ground for them to get it overturned. It, it, it was really, it's really fascinating when you, when you look at that. They got that, uh, that, um, what look at, uh, I can't remember. They get a, a, signature drive to get it on the ballot. And then they got it on the ballot. It was approved. and the court overturned it. And that's how they got gay marriage in California. And so, uh, and I said, well, that was pretty clever. You know, because if they had never put, you know, put fear in the, um, these people to put it on a ballot in the first place to protect marriage between a man and a woman, it wouldn't have been there to be overturned. So, you know, I, you know, as far as, you know, kind of watching all this, stuff, I, I'm glad she kind of um, reminded me that, and by the way, welcome to the family. I'm from Michigan. Uh, living in California now, so... But but um, reminded me, you know, I've been wondering about why they always have all these gay friends. There's so many gay people on the housewives and all this stuff. And they can't live without their gays. And they make those comments.
9: Said,
11: now, now, what is about why would a black woman need a gay man as a friend? So, so you know, you know, it's kind of hard to understand you know, from what they put on television, because a lot of this stuff makes no sense to me. You know, I never really understood gay in the first place, especially when they start, like, dressing up or act. Why why would a a male that's attracted to a male have the the so-called effeminate ways that would make no sense? They could be more masculine if that's what the truth of it. And same with the female. So I, I think that, you know, as part of it is that uh, these people have kind of declared themselves gods. They can make genders they out of whatever they want. They can make babies in test tubes. And, and who, know what, who, who knows what else they can make? And I'll um, um, mute my line.
2: Can I speak? Yes, ma'am.
10: You know, I'm sitting here and I'm just pondering, trying to bring it all home. You know, transgender, gay, lesbian, and with transgender, they can decide whether they want to be a female or a male. You know, as black people, non-white, we can't decide whether we want to be white tomorrow. And it, you know, I can't decide and say, you know, hey, I'm going to be white tomorrow, and um, then I'm going to be black today. You know, I mean, it, it's just, it's just the extremely, it, it's mind-boggling that they would pass a law in California because then that would be my argument. That's why I always say, you know, our civil rights are, you know, they say, oh, well, blacks should understand, but I'm in the skin that I'm in. You know, like I said, I want equal rights for all of them, whatever they do. But again, I can't decide, Gus, if I want to be white tomorrow and I get the same respect and the privilege that goes along with it. I mute my line.
2: I agree that I was, I had that in my notes as well to bring up with Malachi Garza, uh, since she was in California, if she was there for the, uh, election in 2008, it was proposition eight, uh, to ban gay marriage and, uh, where they blamed black people, another, in my opinion, another aspect of racism, the Washington post. I was going to read this, uh, just cause I always tell people to watch for the metaphors Now, just dig the way that they wrote this, any notion. That Tuesday's election represented a liberal juggernaut must overcome a detail from the voting booths of California. The same voters who turned out strongest for Barack Obama also drove a stake through the heart of same sex marriage. In this article, they've already titled it where they're exclusively talking about and blaming black people for this. Uh, and even even within that, they include that they barely had a white majority uh, who voted for uh, who voted against uh, gay marriage, that it was, you know, it was kind of evenly divided. You had a lot of white people also who did not support gay marriage. But black people are to blame uh, for this passing. And just that that metaphor, I thought, was pretty uh Pretty stunning uh, for, or profound from the Washington Post uh, that black people drove a stake through the heart of same-sex marriage. We are murderers once again. Uh, and, and as uh, Joy pointed out, they went ahead and passed it anyway, uh, in short order, uh, when they went around and went through the court and, and as if they needed black people's permission uh, to do anything on this planet. Just Constant attack, constant attack. And, and I think that's just a part of it to further put you in that position where if you are sounding like you're not vigorously in support of this and approve of it and all behind gay rights, you are a homophobe, you're a murderer, <laughs> you're a homophobe, you're a bigot, a whole nine. You're as bad as uh, as the racists. Uh, in that article that uh, I was talking about, it's called Dear Black Women. It was from Time Magazine. White gays are your allies. Make sure I get the correct title. Dear Black Women, White Gays are Your Allies, so don't push us away. That's the name of the uh, report that came out from this summer. And uh, the guy that wrote this, he writes for Al Jazeera. He was the person that was covering the Renisha McBride trial uh, for Al Jazeera. Like he had written several reports uh, on what was happening with that trial after. He wrote this piece for Time Magazine. His name is uh, Steve Frice. Hope I'm saying it correctly. Steve Frice, F-R-I-E-S-S, Steve Frice. Oh, it is the 20 year anniversary of the uh, O.J. Simpson trial. I'm sure that's probably going to get some publicity uh, as the fall comes up uh, when folks start to uh, reminisce about what was happening and all that stuff from
9: 1995.
7: May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Good evening, everyone. Um, I don't know if you said a lot of interesting things today, but um, you know, white people use racism as the they spread racism. It's like terraforming their environment so that they can, they can multiply more freely. You know that it'll, it'll favor their procreation. You know, so. But you know, we also terraform our environment when we feel ourselves going through a change. Like if you feel yourself becoming, like if you have MS or you're getting older, you will change your environment. You'll change the kind of house you live in, or you'll get something with. Um, no carpet but you will seek to change your environment to accommodate what you see in your, yourself as inevitable changes and and it, and it could be because you know I always look at this from the from the study of the white person point of view it could be maybe they see themselves undergoing some inevitable changes and they're seeking to terraform their environment so that it will support and favor their continued you know, existence with these changes they see coming down the pike. I mean it that sounds really vague, but you know they, they do that. They they do that. I mean it's just like you know with the 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 hole in the ozone layer they they came out with sunscreens, and there's a lot more tunnels in the downtown areas and things like that. So you do terraform your environment when you feel like you're undergoing some inevitable change. And that may be what's happening if we pay a little bit closer attention to them. And the other thing is that uh, I just found out for the six-year-old, they have one of Fox News' newscasters that they're sneaking in so that... The newscaster can give them motivational speeches. I and mean, this is a school. This is exactly the ratio that Detroit has. It is 85% non white. And so they have the Fox Newscaster coming in to give these children motivational speeches. So I've been watching Fox News more, you know, in order to prepare for this this week. And I saw the show Glee. And it was was the last show. I think they're canceling the show. But the last show showed two white men who were married going into an elementary school that was, I guess they would call, highly diversified. And from what I remember of that show, it was, like, mostly all white people. But this elementary school with the two white males, they go in and they sing and dance, and the children follow them around like the Pied Piper, all of these black and non-white children. Then they they stretch out on the floor next to each other like they're in a bed, and the children... (laughs) Run and step over them in a circle and then they look at each other and they're smiling and they're saying how wonderful it is for you to have a school like ours where you will be accepted whatever you want to be. But the people that they, they, they had bring in this marriage to bring in this message to these non-white children were two married white men who were gay. So I, mean, I that was that was really disturbing. That was putting the, the homosexuality and the and the pedophilia and, and the and the brainwashing, you know, all my all my all my bells. All my bells were going off. They were just ring 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 <laughs> I was having a panic attack. But anyway, that's that's what I uh, saw last week and I think maybe that might be what's happening to them as a group. They're devolving in some way.
10: Gus, can I speak? This is going to be my last comment of the night.
2: Yes, ma'am.
10: I was thinking about sexism as the woman mentioned, and you know we're going to be supposedly having um, Madden Dutch's uh, Clinton, Hillary Clinton in office. And I was just thinking to myself, they talk about post-racial with Obama. What about Ms. Hillary Clinton? You know that she's a white woman, correct, and you know they give out white women supposed to be minorities. So when she gets to be president of the United States, are they going to end minority um, contracts for, for women, white women? Or we're, we're not going to need that anymore because we have a white woman in office now. Just thinking out loud. Thank you.
2: Definitely will be interesting uh, to pay attention. Lots, lots uh, going on uh, to be mindful of. I've never seen. Glee. I was aware that it was about to end, but I've never, uh, never seen that. But I'm, I'm not surprised with the content at all. That's uh, <laughs> what. Uh, that's about what I thought would be on a show like that. Um, and the the gay promotion is. Man, I don't know if the the black male that was in everybody hates crits. I don't know if he's gay or not, but he was uh, in Walking Dead and they've got a gay couple there as well and the whole nine. so yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not surprised they're covering their base as well and uh, particularly using entertainment, uh, all facets, whether it's you know silly sitcoms or dramas, documentaries to uh, enforce and promote. The uh, anti-sexual behavior and, and contempt for gender, uh, which, as I said, I think is just going to produce mass confusion uh, and derail. Even, even I think that was how some of the, the discussion came up in terms of Malachi Garza, where there were there was organizing in California that was supposed to be about racism, but the people that were heading up the organizing were people like Malachi Garza, where there was also this element of, of LGBT, LGBT this or transgender that and. Uh, some people were just like, "Well, wait a minute. I thought we were. I thought we were talking about racism. This uh, <laughs> seems like we're going to be diverting at some point to talk about transgender or gay rights or saying that it's all the same or that it needs to all be discussed together. Just put that they'll they'll try and say so, uh, social justice or whatever, uh, whatever other tricky language they want to put together. But uh, yeah, if she if she's down to reschedule, we'll see if we can make it work. If not, uh, you know, moving forward." Uh, Mr. Beauchamp should be here tomorrow. Uh, Again, many documentary films, all or most of his work focusing on racism, Uh, Emmett Till and and what happened with his family afterwards and uh, the Moore's Ford Bridge lynching uh, from the 1940s down in Georgia. Uh, We'll be looking forward to speaking with him uh, tomorrow. uh, Same program time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. I hope. It was not a waste of folks' time. Sorry our guest wasn't here. Uh, that way it is on the plantation. Uh, anybody have anything they want to get in before we uh, get ready to wrap things up. Yes, yeah, so the new caller um,
9: in your archives, you did a show um, in the past and um I don't know if you you would be willing to bring the guy back, but if she could look up um, I think it's Doctor Curtis Duncan and he has some great information on why um, this whole generation is, is gay and trans, why, why the LGBT thing has been manipulated um, and, and constructed in laboratories, and um, we're, we're sort of seeing the end result of, about, you know, a decade or so of, of the hormones and things that we've been eating and things. So um, he definitely
2: had a lot of information. I remember listening to that show. Mm-hmm. Dr. Curtis Duncan. Yeah, that's uh, 2010, uh, 2010. He was on the program, uh, I believe, October 2010. Uh, I'll uh, post the archive so folks can check out. I know people were having some difficulties uh, with some of the archives where either it was taking a long time to load or it wasn't loading or just uh some of the the different sites, whether people go to iTunes or blueberry or wherever wherever you go to access the content, it seemed like uh it's it's quite a few folks have noted that problem um number one i always suspect racist interference as why I always try to make sure I get in that you know we've been thrown off the air so many times and disrupting the archives and and just the massive interference in in terms of doing the broadcast. Uh, but that being said, uh, Stitcher seems to be reliable from people that I have heard. Uh, stitcher.com, I can post the link again on Facebook and I'll tweet it out as well. Uh, you can access that, you know, mobile phone, smartphone, Android, whatever the case may be. You can, I mean, obviously, if you just on your computer. Uh, but that I have heard from people works. I think the only downside people have noted there is that they seem to be a little slow with updating like it I don't know if it's a once a week thing or whatever but for some reason it's a little slow in 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 adding the new content to the feed but uh you can access the content there and people have said that it seems to work it's not sluggish it loads immediately and and all that uh I did contact uh iTunes because the iTunes feed had not updated Uh, in about two weeks. And they wrote me back on Friday and apologized and said that they would see to it that the feed got updated. I checked it again over the weekend and it still had not updated. So I wrote them again. Uh, So I'm hoping that that will be uh, corrected because that feed typically updated uh, very fast, uh, like it would update the day we did the program. As soon as the archive and everything was set after we ended the program, the iTunes feed would update. So I'm hoping we can get that corrected uh, again, the content uh, we're on blueberry.com uh, stitcher. Uh, there are several uh, other sites online where you can access the archive material. And this is like the recent, the current uh, archive material where you can access the content. There's a player on the black talk radio network site where you can also stream the content. Uh, and I think it typically ups, updates very quickly. There's a player on my blog as well. Racism. Hyphen Notes.blogspot.com. You'll see the player on the right side of the page, uh, but you can listen to the content there as well. Uh, if you have, you know, issues problems, let me know. But I am aware of that, and and I'm I'm trying to get the iTunes corrected uh, asap, and then uh, I'm just checking some of the other feeds as well. Uh, unfortunately, when I have went to these sites to check, uh, it has played for me, so it's it seems to definitely be something that's intermittent. Um, where you know I don't know if people check back or, or whatever the case may be but again that I just chalk that up to racist interference you can expect that if you're trying to do something constructive against racism that they will make it difficult in uh, the hold nine but if you are having issues let me know and again I'll post uh, the stitcher link online because uh, I think you can just add that as an app so that you have it uh, on your phone or what have you and it should be easier to access the content that way. Anywho, uh, again, we'll be here tomorrow. Uh, should be 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Mr. Keith Buchamp. Looking forward to talking about his documentary film work. Uh, maybe even inspiring some folks to do their own documentaries uh, on racism uh, that would be helpful uh, for folks to get some clarity uh, about what we're facing. Uh, might even be a good idea to keep in mind with, with the content that he's done. Uh, terrorism, because I know uh, Susan Patton and, and other folks and using incorrect terms, uh, describing racism as white privilege or some other nonsense as opposed to this is terrorism that black people are being deliberately subjected to. Uh, I'm working on a, a piece talking about different terms and white privilege is one of them. And uh, I was speaking with Mr. Fuller about that on Saturday and he said uh, <laughs> he said white privilege makes it sound like uh, a white person is walking down the street and we get to the intersection and they're about to walk in front of Of Me, a black person, and they say, oh, you know, I'm in a hurry, and is it okay if I, you know, cut in front of you? And Mr. Fuller was saying, you know, uh, white privilege makes it sound like, well... You know, you say you're in a hurry and and I know you're white and and you think you're entitled to, you know, just be able to hop in front of people and all that. But that's not the case. But, you know, you said you're in a hurry. So I'm going to be nice and I want to let you cut in front of me. He said that's what white privilege sounds like. He said that's that's not what it is. What it is is the white person comes, they see the black person and his nigger get out of the way. (laughs) Like that is what. We are talking about we are not talking about, you know, you get to sharpen uh, an extra two pencils or, you know, you get a gift card from Starbucks every other month. so You can go have a free latte. Uh, We're talking about free license to maim, rape and kill millions of people at will for eternity. Like, I mean, we are talking massive scale abuse Uh, that should not be soft peddled and pussyfooting. Uh, that was in the sound clips this weekend uh, where one of the white boys that was killed in Neshoba County with James Cheney, his uh, widow, she was saying that that's the problem right now. We've had too much of that. We're just not being accurate uh, about what is happening with regards to white supremacy racism. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting that piece done uh, about using the importance of using correct terms uh, in terms to avoid using Uh, And again, I'll implore as we sign out if you have any ideas, things that you uh, think. Uh, Gus should write about, uh, even if, you know, I'm not saying that you think Gus is a good writer or anything, but just I do have to write more now. I'm looking forward to writing more now. Uh, So if you have topics that you would like to see covered, feel free suggest a way you can let me know on the program. You can write them in whatever you like. Feel free. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, being more active in 2015 and and particularly being able to write more uh, in 2015. So feel free to have suggestions Uh, with that again. Under conditions of white terrorism, sobriety would be best. I was remembering James Bird Jr. with all the talk of Otis James Byrd, the black male who was found hanging in Mississippi. Unfortunately, I think James Byrd Jr. might have been under the influence uh, when he met his demise at the hands of those three white terrorists. Um, that they were offering him a ride home. Uh, he had, you know, been drinking something, and they were going to help him out and give him a lift, and. That was his last few moments on earth. Uh, Sobriety would be best. Uh, That's just one thing that we could do that would easily nip a lot of unnecessary problems immediately Uh, and, and would make an economic dent in the racist business because we would not be spending unnecessary funds On alcohol and other intoxicants and and everything else that goes with that DUI fines out the yin yang and all that nonsense. If you got to consume, get to one spot, stay there. Certainly not around whites, Martise Johnson, certainly not drinking with whites. I wouldn't even want to be anywhere where they're going to be a lot of white people consuming alcohol or other intoxicants. And I wouldn't want to be around non-white people if they're going to be non-constructive once they consume Alcohol. So keep all that in mind. Be codified again. It would be best under conditions of white uh, white terrorism for black people to be proudly in support of sobriety. That being said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people. We ask that you help us remain patient with our selves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice as soon as possible. Context of white supremacy signing out. Thanks all for tuning in
3: i'm a victim brother problem
2: you're a
3: victim
2: i'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning shut up the man has programmed my conditioning Mm -hmm. even my
9: conditioning has been conditioned